0: You're listening to the best of the MTJC podcast.
1: So, hey, everyone, welcome to episode 304 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell, and I am in Toronto, Ontario. And I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And I'm also joined by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. All righty then. Um, yeah so let 's pick it up where we left off so uh, th- we were talking last week about the uh, the um, the video I think the the cat's out of the bag now this uh, that uh, i i did ch- I did see a screenshot of um, Craig Federighi, uh doing the video um, It was obviously shot at apple park and as we 've seen all of the videos this week that are in the w w c pack in case people haven 't seen it by now and you 're living under a rock with tammy um then um yeah apple park is the backdrop for this thing and I, it's funny um was chatting with one of our uh, our friends of the show on on our uh, slack today we did we did a the watch party today so we i did one with Tammy and, and Alexis yesterday and i did one today and it's sort of the idea that you know when you went to wwc you would sort of you know make new friends and you would go to all the sessions together and so we could have a friendly banter right so yeah ed uh, ed and i were watching um uh today and uh we were talking about like like It it almost looks, I wonder if there's like a virtual backdrop, but then I remember seeing one of the videos yesterday. There was like a glass wall and you could see shadows of people walking by. Um, so I, that's why I kind of figured this really is Apple park that they're at. And, um, uh, he joked that maybe, maybe it was a really good effect that they did, you know? So, but yeah, so that's, uh, that was a fact check from last week that the, the Apple iPad pro rollout video from three, four weeks ago was done uh, at Apple park. So there you go. And we'll, we'll talk a bit more, bit more about that when we get to WWDC, there's a bit of uh, health and safety I want to talk about on that. So, but we'll move on to our ask MTJC. Do we have any ask MTJC?
2: we've got a couple first one is from greg Hio, who quite simply oh yes tweets the link to the <laughs> xkcd comic on centripetal versus centrifugal centrifugal force given yeah. it's technically follow-up too i guess given our, our discussion of that last week yeah yeah no mr bond i expect you to die yes
1: yes I mean, for those of you driving at home, you know, uh, Dr. Evil or whoever he is and and James Bond, he's got him in a big circular device of torture and and, uh, Bond is talking about, was it Bond who says that, you know, do you want me to die? You expect the centrifugal force to kill me?
3: Because Bond is mounted on the inside of a rotating circular thing.
1: Right, right.
3: So he is feeling centripetal force and believes that he feels the actually fictional force, centrifugal
1: force. I see. Yeah, yeah by the way i i did find i think I talked to you guys about this on slack I can't remember but I did find a video so i, I found I, I did find that video that that uses the big like ly- is it lycra um uh trampoline and he puts the, the objects on and they they bend the space you know space the, the analogy of space time warping um and there was another video that I found out after that, where uh, um, a scientist had a tennis ball on a string, and he was spinning it around, and he was sort of saying, "This was Newton's idea of what gravity was—that that it was actually a right. like a, a ball on the string." But but you know, Einstein came along with his relativity theory and proved that that's not the case because because the guy let go of the string, of course, and, and the tennis ball went flying across a straight line, like you said, right? Um, but he also showed, you know, and it was an interesting place. He was in a science center somewhere and they had a, a camera mounted above the table and they could project a grid onto it. So you could see the grid bending, you know, the, to give you the, the visual, uh, analogy of a space bending and the, uh, and, you know, running a ball around this, this heavy object orbiting it. Right. And, and when you looked from above, you saw what we see in all of our earth projections where the earth goes around the sun kind of thing. Right. But in, but you don't see the gravity well that's holding, you know, or, or attracting the, the orbiting object, right? So it's kind of cool. It, you know, depending on, it depends on where you look at it from, right? And whether you can see the, the bend in space or not. That's my story about that. Anyway, so that's a link in the, that's, I've linked that into last week's uh, show notes and maybe I'll link it again now that I mentioned it. So okay, anyway, let's move on. What else we got, uh, I mean?
2: This one is from friend of the show, long-time listener Sean Marston, who is replying to Greg <laughs> he, uh, on a different yeah. tweet. And Greg has a photo that says, "Was here just a few weeks ago. Great choice." Yeah, twenty. I'm assuming that's on the way to Big Sur. I guess because uh, Sean's tweet is macOS BS. Not entirely <laughs> sure that yeah. so that was a good choice.
1: Well, it's funny you should say that, and because and our friend, of the, our other co-host Tammy, kind of pointed out that that maybe the word sir isn't the best sounding um name given the current you know political and and Strifey climate that we're in, you know, because Sir, you know, Master Sir, kind of
2: like it's too authoritarian.
1: Yeah, like like Big Sir. If you if you didn't know, Big Sir was S U R, and and I, I'm not sure is it why it's called Big Sir. Maybe Mark can illuminate us. But um, those crazy Californians, I tell you. But uh, you know, I actually don't know. Let me look that up. So, but while you're on the subject, so end, my so while, my
3: assumption would is that it's some, something in Spanish. Okay, let's see.
1: So while you're doing that, like, so I guess I, as a Californian, I have to. Ask ask you, what's the best way to get to Big Sur?
3: It depends where you're coming from. So... Well, like like anywhere else, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it's on the coast on Highway One, ah. which is kind of the the coastal highway. It's not. It it is. You know, it's it's a it's a highway, but it's an old highway, so it's not like a big freeway. Uh, it's just the road that you know that winds up the coast. It's kind of
1: a windy road. So would I take uh, the 401 or, to the 297 and down to number one, or what? Would, how would I get there?
3: There is no 401. <laughs> there's no, there might be a 297, but but uh, anyway, there's no 401.
1: Ninety seven. Um, very yeah.
3: 401 if it did exist would be on the east coast okay right because well okay yeah you, you're a you're a canadian so i'll forgive well, you did you know where i was going with the whole
1: Californians thing though i know
3: but i'm gonna <laughs> but i'm gonna school you here so so it, it depends on whether it's a it's an interstate or yes, a u.s highway right, yeah and and uh or a state highway for that matter uh so so the interstates all the odd numbers go north south oh really yeah and they they actually do start in california so i guess like i guess there, there could be a one interstate one it's possible but but it doesn't exist because the, the lowest one is five uh so so they when they built the interstate system they they're not really a grid but they sort of are loosely following a pattern of it, it the odd like i said the odd ones are north south and they go 5 15 uh 25 35 45 all the way okay. to 95 okay. which goes up down the east coast right, right. Okay. you yep. know about 95 and the east west ones start from 10 down in on the you know close to the the border with Mexico, through Texas and all that, all the way up to 90, which is, you know, the mass pike eventually, and Seattle.
1: So they all end with Uh, five and zero, or or does that just happen to be where they started with?
3: All the interstates uh, end with five.
1: Maybe exactly. they started with five and then gave themselves room between, right? No,
3: they don't. All, no, they don't. They don't all. They don't all end with five or zero. No, they can, There are some that end with with sevens and things like that. Uh, but it's but the odd and even thing is is one hundred percent for sure. Now here's the other interesting thing: the first digit tells you something about what kind of road it is. And by by what kind I mean, if they're if they're if it's a one or a two digit, those are like the main base roads, like the five. That's a long road that goes all the way up from you know from the from the Mexico border all the way up to seattle that's a long long single road and and 90 goes all the way from seattle to boston uh so so the one and two digit ones are all like that they they go more or less across the country in one in some direction either north south or east west but then the three digit ones uh the first digit means something Mm -hmm. so if if it starts with a four then it's a it's a road that that is that goes around a major city
1: okay like a bypass yeah Mm -hmm.
3: yeah yeah exactly yeah uh a one is a road that takes you into a major city. Okay, um, and I forget exactly what a two is, but but a two is something similar as well. And a two is in six. Yeah. Anyway, okay. That's that's your geography lesson for the Thank
1: day. Thank you. We have, we have a similar system like that in Canada. Maybe someday I'll tell you about it. All right. um, I threw a link in to the Wikipedia
2: entry for Big Sur. It, okay. The etymology uh, of the name is slightly more complicated than I want to go into in the show. Uh, it is indeed Spanish from a longer Spanish name. Uh, Sur meaning south being the most important uh, part. Right. And there's a few roundabout things about it being a big south area and eventually it was named uh, Big Sur officially in 1915. And now I see from the same article, Attractions, the Big B Creek Bridge is where Mr. And, uh, Heo where was? Heo oh, was yes, at. look at that.
1: The Bixby Bridge, yeah. yes.
2: Known for its uh, very pleasing aesthetics.
1: So it's one of the most popular bridges in the area. Cool. All right. Yes. Yes. Greg's been running around with his camera again.
3: All right. Cool. So if, if you do want to get to Big Sur, though... Because that's what you originally asked from the Bay Area,
1: with air quotes. Uh, I asked, yeah, go
3: ahead. Yeah, from the Bay Area, what you would do is you would somehow get over to the coast, Route One, and just drive south.
1: Okay, cool.
3: On Route One, from LA, you'd, you'd drive north. You
1: know what? It's on it's funny that you say that because I, I, we did do that once, Caroline. We went down Highway yeah. One to somewhere and checked it yeah. and we yeah, ended up in scenic, Monterey. I think. And what's uh, What's the place with the with the boardwalk and the and the, the? I think it was like a roller coaster and.
3: Uh, well, there's a lot of places like that, but you're probably taking a Santa
1: Cruz? Santa Cruz, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just on the way down to to Monterey. Yeah. Or
3: as, as Californians tend to say, Santa Cruz. Santa, oh, the, Santa Cruz? Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz, like Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah. Santa, Santa, Santa Cruz. Cruz yeah. but, but I think the, the correct pronunciation is more like Santa Cruz or something like that. Yeah. Santa Cruz. Cruz. Santa Cruz. Okay, all right. Oh, I mean, you could probably tell us better, right?
2: Yeah, Santa Cruz.
3: But, Santa Cruz.
2: But that's being said with uh, more of a Mexican-Spanish sort of flavor mm. on it. You would, if you were going to do it what I assume the way the Spanish conquistadors would have done, it would have kind of a lisping like like Barcelona like think about
1: Antonio Banderas and San San his accent in, in, in yeah, yeah. right Right. well I learned to say Barcelona when I was in Barcelona moving on, so following up, oh yes, this is interesting, um, and I know a few people over at Shopify but it was announced on the uh, by our Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, announced that coming uh, soon, there will be a COVID-19 um, contact tracing app that is, you know, endorsed by Canada and used by Canada and whatever. I believe it's built using the um, Apple and Google um, sort of framework, as it were. Um, but what was more interesting to me was that it, it was built by a couple of volunteered coders over at Shopify in, I believe, I'm going to say Ottawa, Canada. That's where their, their head office is. But they're obviously all working from home right now. And some of them are in toronto and various places like that but yeah just a COVID 19 app coming in july i believe um called covid shield uh is uh, developed by our pals over at um shopify in fact one of our friends nice. of the show um dan who just joined us last week on the on the um, friends of the little slack he works for shopify as a manager so yeah cool very cool. Looking wow. at
2: their open source project, so it looks like the apps for iOS and Android are built in React Native, which definitely makes sense given that you'd, you'd mm-hmm. have less pain trying to get multi platform support. And the server is a mixture of Go and Ruby, although hmm. I don't understand what the Ruby is there for. It looks like for testing purposes because the server itself looks like it's predominantly Go.
1: The other thing, too, that I forgot to mention, too, is that, is that they've actually put the code up on GitHub. So, um I don't know I guess that means you could take it download it and build it yourself, but uh Is the link in this article? Somewhere? Yeah, at the very bottom it says yeah. find out more and it takes you over to the um uh to ah, get to
2: covid shield app which is a nice little yep, microsite really like that they've created for this that uh, explains what it is uh, how exposure notifications uh, APIs work and also very critically that you you cannot download or use this app as is because you may remember mm-hmm. uh, both Apple and Google are going to be approving these and there's uh, limitations uh, mostly around one per country your mileage or kilometerage may vary depending on your particular country but it's not like oh a uh, random person in their basements app they can get Get, um, approved, uh, for many reasons. Um, but I think this is really cool because this goes along the lines of like, why does every country even need to make its own app? That seems kind of silly. Surely you might have your own configurations. You might say, Hey, you know, we want to direct people to, uh, like your country's w- version of the centers for disease control and etc. official resources. But the, the main, you know, sort of basis of the app itself seems like, yeah, we really should have open source for this and not uh, reinvent the wheel, you know, hundreds of times for this. So, you
3: know, kudos to these folks for doing that. But if you you get rejected at least you can now appeal <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right you have our sympathies too of course yes yeah. Um, all right. So, have you got some follow up for us?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm calling this follow up on uh, on I'm sure we've talked about ARM based stuff before, and uh, them, spoilers yeah. are the later part of this episode. But uh, it it was interesting that even the recent news that the um, Japanese supercomputer that is ARM based is now the fastest in the world. Really hmm. nice. Fugaku, a computer in Kobe. I don't know what that means.
1: I have to look it up. Kobe is a place. I know Kobe is a place. I don't know if Fugaku is. Mm. Off to Google. Set to go operational isn't, isn't next coup, school year. If,
3: if the word ends with with coup, that means like, I mean, that's an old word, name for city. So it, I guess it's, I guess it would be sort of a neighborhood of a city now, but in the, or maybe it means town, something like that. Mm. Something like that.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Google
1: didn't give me a good translation. So I guess it is named after like a town or some sort. Yeah. More arm stuff coming later on in the show all right uh where are we here yeah so are we at the big recap now what do you think we are we just dig in all right so for those of you living under a rock um this week is wwc and so uh we had the keynote on monday and uh, i think we all partaked in partook in that and uh I th- i'm gonna say i've probably watched a bunch of videos but i have a feeling that mark and jaime have not had a chance to look at too many of them yet um as i mentioned earlier uh, that is correct as i mentioned earlier we're we did a fun kind of thing. Um, I was on uh, another Slack channel chatting with uh, with Alexis, and he came along and said, "Hey, is there any uh, wa- any um, watch parties around?" And I sort of mentioned the Paul Hudson link, and I went over and signed up. I. I can't remember. I think I did hear back from them, but I'm not quite sure how that worked. But anyway, so Tammy sort of piped up and said, "Hey, I'd like to do that right now." So the three of us went over to fired up a Zoom call and and uh, agreed to download a video at the same time and in sync. You know, went one, two, three, and clicked the button. And um, I got to say, my favorite feature of the videos is the is the hit the rewind 15 seconds uh, button. I use that one a lot, but uh, the rules of our little uh, watch party were that we weren't allowed to do that, and so I had to suffer through as if I was watching it live, you know, kind of thing, right? So, But it was interesting hearing so the banter.
3: W- which videos did you watch?
1: So we Mysterious. watched, i um, going to say, we watched the What's New in Swift, and we watched um, something else. Uh, but I wanted to watch the What's New in Swift UI, but I got vetoed. But I did watch that one later on that night, and, and I'm going to say that that so far was my most uh, enlightening video uh, so far. Let me just see if I can find it. Swift UI, you said? The What's New in Swift UI. I'll talk, I'll talk, oh, nice. talk about that yeah. in a bit. But and, and yeah, I remember and I told you like, oh yeah, the what's new and Swift one was pretty much a recap of what we've already covered on the show with uh with what Paul Hudson had on, on uh raveled and uh what we've been talking about on Swift uh, Swift.org. This, yeah, I think Jaime mentioned a couple of uh articles couple last couple of weeks where we talked about the new features, right? Um, I, I don't know if you guys have watched it yet, but it was very much a repeat of that kind of stuff. So if you've already gone through and seen what's on Swift.org, I don't think there's anything really earth-shattering in the what's new for Swift, which is a you know surprise to say that after like five years of what's new and Swift's being like sort of the one you go to kind of thing, right? Uh,
3: That's actually a really good sign because it means that Switch, Swift has finally settled down and matured as a language and, yeah. and they and they won't be... Making crazy changes every year that force you to refactor everything and breaks your yeah you know breaks your app and breaks your builds. So I'm actually happy about that.
1: So let me jump over to the mm-hmm. developer app because I was trying to, I thought earlier that today that I saw that you know, there was a section called um, Watch It Again, which I thought was keeping track of what I had actually watched. But oh, continue watching. Yeah, yeah, because uh, it's surprising that continue watching works really well because you can actually I was you know got, I got called upstairs by Carol and so I took grabbed my iPad and I was able to pick up where I left off, Right, so um, so sw- let me look at my favorites. That's probably how I can tell. But um, let's see. So I watched I watched, uh, I watched the, the visual editing with Fifty Eye, which I, it was a good one. It's five minutes long. Like some of them are are interesting because the talks are only five minutes long. I guess we should maybe start with the what with the keynote first, right? Um, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here because um, because one thing I really enjoyed about the keynote was the fact that um, you didn't have to wait for people to walk across the stage. You know, plus. Yeah. plus I so the demos worked and everything like that. So yeah, let's let's talk about the queen. Some course. time
2: savings. You know what the biggest time saving was? Not seeing one of those lame demos from some random company oh, wow. <laughs> that just sucks all the life out of the room. Yeah. I mean, I, I I kid a little bit. Yeah. It's a little harsh for me to say it that way. But let's be honest. You know, it, it was nicer not having the like ten up sometimes fifteen minutes of that going on. Mm-hmm
3: and i and I do have to say, I didn't miss all the playing to the crowd that they do, yeah, yeah, that do like you know all of the isn't this the most awesome thing you've ever seen, yeah yeah yeah, you know, they do a lot of that kind of stuff, and you know, yeah, whatever. You say that every year. <laughs> just just give us the goods. Yeah. So I was happy about that.
2: I think I'd also say beyond the the polished aspect in that every single demo works first time, every time, of course, because mm-hmm. they can edit if it didn't. And, and that's really nice. Um, it certainly avoids the, oh, no, like face ID didn't work properly kind of you know live demo that can go wrong. And I also think that. It was pretty nice that they had a much more diverse, in many you know different ways to define that, a much more diverse set of presenters, and it wasn't like the same five people they always see. Those five people were like there. Don't get me wrong, but they included a much broader group of people, and, and I would say that the ability to not have to worry about oh my gosh, can can this person handle being on a stage with millions of people watching mm-hmm. at the same time, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and will they get their their five minutes correct, um, not as much of a concern.
3: Can, yeah they can, they can redo a part if they get it wrong and they can edit it after the fact.
2: Yeah. And and I I paid attention to the cuts. You really only had to be good for like 30 seconds and then you could completely fall apart and they can give you a coffee (laughs) and then you could start again for the next part. And that's, I think that's brilliant because I saw all sorts of people, uh, let's say like job titles. I was like, they would never let this person normally just run out into the stage unless they were really clear that they had practiced really well and they were going to be able to handle the -hmm. the pressure. So I, I think that's a huge kudos um, you know, certainly I, I saw more, uh, more women. I saw more people with uh, different abilities. So you, we talked about walking on stage. There was uh, somebody who uh, had uh, mobility issues. It looked like it had like a, like a fancy wheelchair of some sort that would have been rather difficult to do on stage. And then we had other folks who were, um, you know, people of color, people who were uh, not just the, the director of blah, 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 not just the manager. It's like, Oh, this is like an engineer who worked on this. So that's really cool. I, I applaud them for that. I didn't see many people talking about it, which I think is a bummer because Apple, I think rightfully so, has been, you know, beat up uh, over this topic. And I think this year they, they got a lot better at it and hopefully they'll continue to improve.
1: I don't want to forget about this, but, but do you guys, you guys, have you watched any of the, the videos as a recap thing they do every day that um, uh, there's a, a, a emoji named Serenity comes Serena.
3: up? Serena. Oh, Serenity. Serenity. Yeah, that's that's right. Serenity sure. Caldwell. I have been
1: watching those. That's Serenity Caldwell. Who, who's, who's that? She's a Canadian former former podcaster now works for Apple. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay, yeah. so she's she's been out there for a while.
3: Anyway, so yeah, so and and now she's just in in I a mean, yeah, emoji. Yeah, emoji. she's not a real person and, anymore. And, uh, well, her name's Serenity. It sounds
1: like her voice. So I, don't, I don't. I haven't really mm. sort of nobody's called it out, but I just happened to notice it today when I watched one of them. So yeah, so a couple, they
3: uploaded her into a server on her first day yeah. of work, and no one's ever seen her. Since well, so yeah, far, I we, we played together at the
1: break notes last year because she was one of the background singers on the on James Temple break. Oh, okay the way, as we record, like an hour ago the, the James Dempsey song uh, premiered um for WWC. The the somewhere near WWC is the show he does every year at WWC. So this year we did a virtual one. I haven't seen it yet because I was busy with things. But um Couple of things here. Like, let's talk about the, some some of the numbers off top. We always ask this question, and here it is: twenty three million developers, right? Which is one of the numbers we're always trying to clamor for when we uh, we're doing these the show. Um, of course, a hundred plus sessions. Um, Craig Federighi came in and talked about iOS fourteen. Uh, no surprises. I think we'd heard that the, the home screen was going to get a redo. Um, they've added widgets now, which are sort of like—I guess they're coming over from the idea of the, what we see on the watch in terms of like notifications and small little sort of snippets of things So you can. And we're seeing this in the iPad OS where you've got the sidebar and you've got sort of like uh, what do you call those things on, on the that are on the bottom of your phone, um, and you can edit them and add them. It's like oh, they're, anyway, they're widgets, I guess. Right? Um, all written in Switch. Swift, by the way, Swift UI, I believe, right? Swift UI, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, they've added folders in there, picture in picture video, which is something people have asked for on the phone for a long time, um, and also picture in picture on Apple TV, if I'm not mistaken, right?
3: Yeah, apparently it's it's available everywhere now. Yeah. which is kind of nice. Which
1: I think a lot of yeah. a lot of what we're seeing too, in, in especially in like the Apple Developer app, is I think we're seeing cat- catalysts all over the place, right? Um, so things coming all over the place, and and I'll talk a bit about that when we get to the Swift UI. What's new in Swift UI? Too. Um uh, you can hide, you can group things into, into like, I guess sort of folders and no, not folders, but there's a new I metaphor. Like that. Yeah. You can hide, the app library and you know. can hide entire yeah. things and app library. Right. right. And, and it'll yeah. suggest things like it'll time of day or time of, or when you use things more, more frequently, they'll come and suggest the groupings for you, which is nice. I like, kind of like that when yeah. I'm searching for things in my phone, you know, when you use the... it. I
3: have, I have apps on my phone that <laughs> I, I can used. only yeah. find them. Yeah. Well, yeah, I have ones that I haven't used in 10 years. Sure. But, but, there are other apps that I use all the time. The only way I can possibly find them is by doing a search, by pulling down and typing it in, or, or seeing that it's suggested. If I tr- if I ever try to actually search for it and find it, it's I can't find. It. No, it's I,
1: yeah, find I mean, it. like I, I don't know. I have thousands of probably I don't know like yeah. over. I, I'm going to guess and say over a thousand apps on my phone, right? And um, yeah. yeah, like I, there's some I have like, and some I haven't even touched in years too, which is another thing too. Um,
3: remember, remember back in the day, there was a uh, there was a app review site called... Was it called 148? Maybe. Because that was the number of app slots that you had on your phone. And oh, the really? Oh, of apps wow. oh
1: I do remember something. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. 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 Real real yeah. early on, yeah. That was real early on, yeah. That was probably 2009,
1: 2010. Wow, wow, cool. So, yeah, yeah widgets on the home screen. So we got yeah, data-rich, different sizes. There's like a today view. And the thing I
2: thought about the widgets was the way they describe them and the way they appear to work, particularly with the smart stack. Oil, Almighty, does that remind me of glances on the watch? Right? Did yes, anybody get that? That's
1: what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Impression. It definitely felt like if you understood or vaguely remember how that worked, I think you'll be halfway there for understanding how this works. And I haven't even seen the session yet. Did glances go away? I can't remember. Glances so that we had- did go. away. They did away. go away. Yeah, they right, didn't go right, away. Right, right. But okay. the, like you know, there's some analogies here where I, you know, I use my different watch faces on my watch sort of like a smart stack like a, like a, a manual smart stack right i'll say okay mm-hmm. um i'm going to do this very particular task okay i've got a watch face that has some complications for that i have mm-hmm. uh i'm at work cool i have a watch face that i like to use for work i have a different watch face that i like to use for non-work or weekend time and and that works right. pretty well now if they could you just magically really? do that for me wow. that would be great and that's what i'm interpreting the smart stack for these widgets to be so Yeah. you can let's have so info there glanceable and then it can intelligently figure out when you need the right information
1: well do you not notice now on your on your phone that when you go to search for things t- different during t- different times of the day different icons are sort of suggested at the top this is shortcuts I think doing under the mm-hmm. hood doing this right so they're yeah. building on that kind of technology right or that that sort of power
2: it's very judgy I'm like <laughs> you know I'll, I'll yeah. go to search as like <laughs> open Twitter like, oh all right <laughs> thanks for telling me I don't even see this is
1: why I don't activate the you know how long have you
2: been using Zaps? I know I've been using
1: them too much. Yeah. Anyway, so moving on. So they, 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 the Siri is no longer giving me a full screen thing, which is great. It's now going to be a little bubble at the bottom, uh, kind of like Hal Nine Thousand. Um, but it, interesting stats there: twenty five billion requests a month of that like, people are asking Siri questions. You know, um, it's good to be the default, right? Like you
2: have to go out of your way if you wanted to use uh, Amazon's or Google's equivalent. It's, it's definitely Nice to have the, the basic part of it that everybody's going to use work.
1: And they finally added the universal translator to the iPhone. So now, now that Siri and Siri and, and um, um, machine learning and natural language engine can interpret what you said and translate it into another language and apparently all on the device. So it's not actually going into the cloud to do the translation, which I think is super cool. Um, that's really neat. Um, what else do they do? Yeah. Conversations. And that's a different kind of, was that, is that what they're calling math Messages now. They've sort of glommed it in. I think you were talking about the fact you can pin conversations and you can at mention people. Um, Yeah, it's still the messages
2: app, but you, like like you mentioned, you can pin conversations so that they stay at the top of the list. Like I think the example they brought up is, you know, your family or friends that you normally, you know, have a group one for like your entire family. You know, what are we eating for dinner tonight? Oh, I don't know. Let's get pizza. You know, that sort of thing. You don't have to go digging through the list of
3: all
1: of the
2: other conversations you had.
1: And they had some nice things there.
3: And can you recall messages? I think we talked about that, but did they actually? Actually bring that one up. Oh,
1: I don't know. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. But yeah, there may be, it may be something in there, but yeah, I don't know. rating for, for inline replies is Threading. pretty nice. Yeah. 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 Craig didn't say anything recallable. So, I mean, <laughs> memorable, but not recallable. Um, do we have to talk about Memoji here? So here's the thing. Every single speaker introduction video has a Memoji of them before they before they show the actual person on the screen and I think we Mark you talked about this before that in previous uh, WWC when you saw the videos you didn't see the actual speaker right
3: uh, in the early years you never did yeah yeah
1: now you do a lot yeah now now they've got like a sort of picture in picture thing with the, with the speaker there and sometimes they're full screen again with the gorgeous Apple park drop uh, backdrop and all that kind of stuff too um, yeah some emoji I'm gonna say this <laughs> one trillion ways to customize your emoji I still think it's not enough Um not a big fan of them, but uh, and but face coverings have come to emoji, which makes you no know, interesting sense, right? And woohoo! Yeah, they bad. call it
2: face coverings. Which, yeah. like, what do you mean, like, like, like eye patches?
1: No, these are face masks, the kind that you well, would be wearing. There are other kinds wearing. of face coverings too, though that that predate, um, and some of them are controversial, but they predate the the uh, COVID, right? So I wonder if they they didn't have those in before, right?
2: I mean, I just thought it was a weird term because the one that they showed was yeah the, the, the like a, like a surgical yeah. type mask you know it mm-hmm. has that style to it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so definitely leaning into the the realities of the pandemic and, and this wwdc live online
1: only remote edition yeah yeah so um they've re- redone the map for you guys in the U- us or united States of America so you've got this really new cool map that they rolled out a month or so ago apparently they say more accurate it has the look around feature which is what are the street views what google calls it but they they have look around mm-hmm. They're claiming privacy again like all, it's all—it's all sort of happening, you know, within within the device and that kind of stuff. Like the routes you take, they're not sent up to some cloud somewhere, telling you what the traffic patterns are. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, and apparently, they're going to add UK and Canada soon. Ooh, and Ireland. And Ireland, yeah, I missed Ireland. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you Ireland. Pick sorry, up Canada. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Ireland. Well, I, I, got, I got stuck on Canada. What can I say? Um, and then, but yeah, the other thing, cool thing is cycling. So Meg Frost is one of the presenters you talked about. Um, talked about cycling and how when you do a route now, you can do a route obviously and it'll take you on the bike path and stuff like that, but you can decide whether or not you can look at the elevation you're going to be riding, decide whether or not that's too steep and maybe you want another route. Uh, it'll tell you if you have to carry your bike up a set of stairs. I guess that's important in San Francisco, but um, you know can, you can sort of look at that, which is kind of cool. And uh, also for EV or uh, electronic vehicles or what do you call them? Uh, what do you call these? Electric vehicles, right? Um, or hybrids. Who have range anxiety, which is a new term, Um, they can tell you based on the model of your car or the make of your car which routes to take so that you'll always have a charger somewhere along the route that you can charge your car, right? So do you guys know anybody who has electric cars? Like teslas yes so mm-hmm. yep yeah. do how long does it take to charge one of these babies like depends depends what kind you have uh
3: tesla has these super power stations that you can yeah. you can fully charge a thing in like an hour or two. Oh, so it's if not you, like going to the gas station
1: and getting like a tank of gas and you're out in 20 minutes right
3: well the superpower one actually probably is oh, okay I, I, I think even when i said an hour or two that's, that's probably too long for the superpower
2: one okay
1: okay
3: because i think i think the intention is that it is like going to a gas station but normally a regular one i think people generally will just kind of plug it in overnight. Yeah, trickle charge yeah, overnight.
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. And and so another thing about the driving, which is kind of cool, is is we don't do this here in Toronto. We probably should have congestion zones, right? And as some uh, like China, they mentioned specifically. And I think they showed a map of Paris. I, I know Paris is. I've driven in Paris during rush hour. It's it's horrible. Um, and uh, so they have congestion, and they can tell you whether you're in, going into a congestion area, or if you want to go to a green zones, which are to sort of control the amount of uh, polluting that. Cars are doing. And One of the benefits of COVID right now is we're not doing as much polluting to the environment since we're doing less driving and less, you know, boating around in, in Venice and things like that. But oh yeah, so and what's cool is is that if you're in China, you, apparently you have to you can add your license plate your license to the the app and it'll tell you whether or not you're allowed to go into the congestion area on the on your prescribed day, whatever that is, odd or even days. I don't know how they do it down there, but that that's kind of cool that they can actually manage that kind of stuff. It's something we need in Toronto because we have a lot of a lot of people. Driving Driving into the city, I'm sure most met, most metropo- metropolises do right um, have a lot of a lot of issues with cars coming in and, and plugging up the roads right during during normal times, not COVID times, but right.
2: Yeah, and I, I definitely would like the option of adding my driver's license to my phone. I, I wouldn't want to replace the physical license, but having it as a as a bag of like, oh no, I forgot my wallet. Well, it doesn't yeah, matter, got
1: my phone. So we're adding. So here here's another angle too. We're adding uh, uh, our car insurance Insurance uh, uh, thing you can carry it digitally on your on your, your phone now, but here's a here's a uh, following up from last week, right? So if a cop asks you for your license and you have to use face ID to open your phone, are you not handing them now an open phone?
2: Yeah, that is a consideration, which is why I don't want <laughs> yeah. my yeah. my license to only be on my oh, okay. phone. Yeah. And yeah. it's even better if it was available like the um uh, like the emergency contact sort of mm-hmm. card. You know, if they mm-hmm. they find you passed out on the street, they can figure out that you're you know allergic to penicillin or etc. Sure, um, sure. I think something like that would be useful for the reasons
1: that you just hinted at there. So we always kid about the dongles and um, uh, Emily Sherbert came on and talked about the most expensive dongle that we've seen so far, which is the BMW 5 Series. <laughs> and that's a, <laughs> a dongle for what feature, guys? Talked about last week, keyless entry. Did they give it a brand name? No. Yeah, they didn't say keyless entry, but the but yeah, uh, that's uh, I, that's what I have in my notes. So maybe that's what they start and unlock your car, uh stored in the secure element, you can Share. You can share keys with people. Uh, you can also also restrict the key you give to somebody. Like if you want to give it to a teenager, you can say no highway driving for you, young man. I don't know what that'll do. Won't we'll go on the highway or something, but or maybe it'll drive like it'll only work between certain hours and that kind of stuff, right? So and apparently mm-hmm. this is also going to be backwardly compatible with iOS 13, which is kind of cool, right? This car, yeah,
3: that is pretty nice. Actually.
1: Super nice, yeah. super nice. And apparently they're working on standards with other with other um, manufacturers. Um, they're using the UI. UI one chip for this for which has some sort of spatial awareness built into it um, that that will be able to use. So it won't be the only the BMW doggle won't be the only doggle you'll have to buy for this to use this feature.
2: Yeah, the UW, sorry, the U1 chip I should say is pretty nice because it sounds like you can just leave your phone in the bag or pocket. You can still continue to start the car even if you don't put it on the the fancy little recharging pad that the BMW 5 series has. But I I understand, even though they didn't talk about this, that um, people who, who know this sort of thing are claiming Oh, it probably is also a way to help um, reduce the possibility of replay attacks people can do with like you know get a signal from you know intercept a signal between your car and your your device and then when you're away from the car replay that signal to um to enter into your car right like like cloning your your your, your key fob in this case it would be like well your phone is nowhere near we can't detect the U1 chip but therefore we should not open the car is what i believe that's being used for in addition to the 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 user nicety of not having to to pull the phone out and put it in a certain place it it also seems from my understanding, to be related to security as well.
1: So 12 years ago, Apple opened the App Store, and the new feature on the App Store is the App Clip, which is like, a I guess, a snippet of code that um, runs or, or basically brings... It's kind of like um, like the banner thing. It's, I'm, it, I'm not quite 100% sure on this yet, but it brings a portion of some information from your app to the phone, and I think you can download it. When you hit open, it downloads the app. Is that what I'm understanding correctly? Correctly. Do you guys know?
3: I, I think the idea is that you trigger it in a in a you know one of a various number of ways, like scanning a QR code or or getting a, a link through Safari or or you know or through a text message or maybe even be in some location or you know with NFC or something like that, and it triggers it and and then it and then this this little mini app will download because it's very small, download and pop up and let you just see some relevant content from the app without actually having to download and install the entire app uh, from the app store. And then if you do like it, you know, maybe maybe it's it's just enough to, you just interact with it and you're done. But if you do like the app or want to do more with the app, then you tap a button and it will go and actually install it from the app store and do more.
1: Nice. Cool. Yeah. So yeah.
3: it's a little bit, it's a little bit like an extension, except an extension that uh, you don't actually have to have the original app installed to use. And I think it's more, my, my sense is that they're meant to be more media rich than extensions generally are.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Yeah. It's very similar to app slices or instant apps from the Android side of the house. Um, there are some differences in that, uh, you know, this is really focused on getting you not having to actually do much of anything to, to interact. Right. So signing with Apple so you don't have to create a new account, uh, even with nice things like like one password existing, this can still be a hassle. But using sign with Apple, you've got a you know one touch login button, very similar to logging in with Facebook or Google. And you've also got Apple Pay, so you don't even have to worry about, oh, I've got to type in my credit card information. No, you don't. You just use Apple Pay to pay. So you've you've solved a lot of the the problems you would have with like, oh, I really just want to pay for this parking meter, which is the one that they brought up as an example, right? There's dozens of those apps. I always have to look at the the graphic every once in a while to see like, do I have the right app or do I need to download another one? Well, it would be nice to just have a clip, which apparently they are less than 10 megabytes in size, not very difficult to, to get even out in the street. And apparently you can also continue going on, like Mark mentioned with, you know, it's it's not just this separate little app. It is a part of your app that you can have out there that people can go download as well and presumably pick up where you left off. Um, I think this will be, or at least has the potential to be very similar to Apple Pay, which Apple Pay was not first for NFC payments, but really uh, dragged the whole industry forward a lot faster than it had been, uh, even though the Android side had had NFC payments for a long time time. The uh, instant apps have been around for quite a while, like three years, maybe by now. Um, as far as I can tell, they're not really a huge deal. Why? Because I think the incentive, if you're a, a company is, well, cool, we can do this this one cool thing for Android. Can we do it for iOS? No. Well, it's not Bob, right? Because <laughs> right? we're not going to have feature parity. Now this has feature parodies. People say, hey, you know, the experience we would design for an instant app on Android, that's pretty much the same experience we would design for an app clip on iOS iOS. And I think there's going to be a whole bunch of these things uh, being created just because of that, you know, things of like, Hey, well, we planned, you know, three years ago to do this and we couldn't. I was like, yeah, because people want parity, right? No, no product manager necessarily wants like, Hey, here's this thing I can do on just one platform. Right. And and if you were going to pick a platform, you're probably going to pick iOS because people tend to have bigger wallets when they can afford, you know, $45,000 dongles for their their phone. (laughs) Right. Plus, it's where the money is. So I'm I'm not saying that it should be that way. I'm just saying it is that way. So I'm pretty excited about this one. I fully expect that there will be uh, tons of uh, you know conference talks about, you know, architecting your app for app clips, because it'll, it'll be good practice, I think, right? Breaking your, your app up into smaller reusable modules. So you don't go nuts trying to rebuild your entire interface just for the clip.
1: Cool. All right so moving on we have the iPad they're, they talked about they're talking a lot about this I watched the, the designing for iPad session today um, very distinct ex- experiences what Apple's expecting to, to have um, they've got the pencil availability they've got the lidar for the AR kit and gaming kind of stuff uh, the, you know the lidar sensor on the back of the thing um, they're talking about now uh, designing for the iPad specifically like again I, I'm I, personally I was an iPad first developer back in 2010 when it first came out this reasonable. I got into iOS, um, but Josh Schaefer, the I guess he's the iPad guy, uh, showed up and, and talked about uh, the new photo browser with this new sort of... Uh, and he talked about the sidebar a lot, which is... And it, this is a thing where it seems to be unique to... What they're saying is unique to, to iPad, and it's sort of like the split-view controller we used to use back in the day, you can now have... Content-rich stuff on the sidebar. It's sort of like we have in in the Notes app, where you've got your your notes listed, but you can also open up another panel on the, to the left of it, which shows all those, all of the sort of content you have in the cloud and all that kind of stuff, right? So, um, giving you another area where you can either, if you're in landscape or portrait mode, you can ha- swipe in from the left and have a whole series of information there, uh, always visible, kind of like we do with with Mail, where you have like the folders. I'm talking about the Mail on the app on the Mac, where you have Mail folders, and then you have your your messages in a, in a sort of list view, and then you have the actual message you're currently reading, kind of thing. So they're looking at that kind of experience coming to the to the iPad as well, or be, or being capable. Um, they're also getting out of the way of the user, like a lot, like I talked about earlier, with Siri being sort of a full screen experience is now just a little sort of thought bubble at the bottom. Um, they're talking about like if you get a phone call. Or I, I don't take many calls on my iPad, but if a call comes in, it'll now be a smaller uh, area of the screen real estate, or if you're in renaming a photo, for instance, they won't, you know, bring up an entire dialog box that blocks the whole modal experience, you know, modally blocks everything else. So It'll just be like uh, a label becomes active or becomes a text message or text view uh, underneath an image and you can, you can see all the other images on the page while you rename this one particular one image. So that's kind of cool. And um, searching, like uh, right now I can do search on the iPad, but again, it's a full screen thing where, you know, you kind of drag down from the top of the screen and you start typing in your search terms now it's more like spotlight which i've got the term right this time greg because um, so now it's like spotlight on the mac where you've got the laws engine. you type in what you're looking for and then it suggests things to you right so that's kind of cool um, but for me, the big thing, was, was they've added the Newton OS into, or I mean, sorry, they've, uh, they've added handwriting into, um, handwriting recognition into the iPad. I'm a huge pen pencil user and I would probably use my pencil more if now that, now that we've got this Scribble technology, um, where you can write in cursive or in, in letter letter style, um, and it will automatically, uh, interpret what you've written and turn it into, um, into uh, text, which, you know, um, Sort of sent or Sherlock's our friends over at Nemo who who wrote me an app, a note taking app for doing exactly that thing too, right? Um,
3: scribble was actually on the Palm Pilot though, wasn't it?
1: Um, but I, the that name, the name language. Scribble maybe the name. Well, they had yeah. this thing called Graffiti. Okay. They had a thing called Graffiti.
3: Oh, was it Graffiti? So yeah, Noon's right. li- oh,
1: yeah. was handwriting was wasn't okay. very good. The palm had this way of writing what they call Graffiti, where you had these ligatures you would make, and the ligatures represented a letter. So you had to learn to Write the ligature too. Like it was called Graffito. or grafito. It was
3: like writing in shorthand. Yeah, yeah. But and there's a lot of there's a lot of people under forty looking around saying, "What the hell is shorthand?" Yeah, now? exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, um, anyway, they're calling it scribble, and it's it's basically write anywhere on the screen. Like if a text field is active, you can write anywhere on the screen. It will then take the text or take your scribbled characters, interpret them, and put the text into the text view for you, which is kind of cool. And but it also also recognizes is chinese which i think is huge for that for the you know the asian market of of you know korean and chinese and all the various you know um character driven languages right so that, that's kind of cool um so yeah so i'm like i'm really happy about that when i joked about it by posting a picture of my newton going apple's finally added handwriting but um yeah um we want to move on to airpods airpods pro which apparently are, are things that some people buy none of us have an airpod pro in this group of developers here right do we no
2: I do not, I do not. been considering it but I think I'm gonna wait
1: <laughs> the cool thing is they've added uh, they've added uh, spatial audio to airpods Pro which is kind of neat you can maybe now we don't have to go to the movie theater to get that you know the, the awesome sounds They've got they're supporting 5.1 7.1 and they're also supporting Dolby Atmos with that uh, that's kind of cool they talked about the watch Kevin Lynch came out and talked about the watch again um, I don't know what was surf watch about it. I made a note of that. I can't remember. Was that about, like, is that about surfing and Glow Baby and Run Club? I don't remember why I wrote those down. Yeah, I don't remember that either. You can share watch faces now, which I didn't know was a thing or a thing that people wanted. Um, better maps on watch. It's uh, the, the cycling stuff again, with I was talking about before with the, with the phone. In the iPhone, iPhone you can have, like, cycling courses and gives you elevation and navigation. It even shows you where repair shops are in your during your cycling session. Um, another lady named Jules, I didn't catch her last name, came out and talked about the workout. So here's something I love Carol. She's a dancer, right? And she's always told me, and I believe her because, you know, she told me that. Um, Dancing is a lot of work. It's very, it's very strenuous. It's a, you know, it's it's right up there with athletic, any kind of athletic pursuit. It's a lot of energy, you know, a lot of uh, exercising required and it's very intense. They finally added dance to the workout app. So, and they've renamed the workout app, um, they're calling it, what are they calling it now? Fitness. Fitness, thank you. So yeah, it's cool because it can, it can, it can track whether you're moving your, your upper arms, your, how your arms are moving and also how you move your legs. And so sort of vertical and horizontal arm moving and lower ba- lower body movement, which I didn't catch the name of. And, of course, as soon as I told her that, she says, yeah, but they don't have, uh, what's it called, Aquafit. Apparently, she goes and does, ex- she has this thing where she gets in the water and they do exercises in the water. And her complaint is that her watch won't recognize that as exercise. So you can't win, is my point, is why I'm telling you this part of the story here so you can't win. Anyway, but yeah, this so I think it's cool that they've added dance to I'm sure dancers around the world are, are rejoicing. They're they're doing, you know, pas de deux and pirouettes and all that kind of stuff around this news. Um also adding to the to the watch about it is this to watch I believe so the, the sleep tracking or the sleep mode um, they're adding in new experiences and in, like in terms of it'll you can set a schedule like you can say hey I want to have like seven hours or eight hours of sleep a night um, and need to get up to go to work at such and such a time it will remind you to go to bed at a certain point in time as opposed to just letting you stay up and watch wwdc videos it'll it'll prompt you to go to sleep and then keep track of how you're doing um, in sleep mode as well, right? And, uh, much, as, and a simplified, more, fa- simplified face for when you're sleeping. Um, this story got a lot of attention. Hand washing is now a feature in the watch. Um, kind of timely, you I know, suppose.
3: Do, do people actually, do you actually wear your watch while you're washing your <laughs> hands or do you take it off?
1: I wash my hands with my watch on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't take mine off to wash my hands. It's waterproof, oh, man. You put, it, you put it in your pocket? <laughs>
3: I guess, I guess it's waterproof.
2: Well, do you wash
1: yeah. all the way up your forearms or what? Like, uh, how?
2: These days I do, okay. yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and go with yeah. the doctor style. Yeah, I'd have to take it off yeah. and put it in my, yeah. my pocket if that was the case. Yeah, I, I used yeah.
1: to do it when I was washing dishes, but I've, I've since learned that I can actually wash dishes without getting my entire hand in the water. Right. So, um, yeah, no, I, I've been washing my hands with my watch on, like a, like an animal. But uh, yeah. So, but, but apparently, you will it senses? It can the app will sense whether or not it hears water, running water, so it knows that you're in in doing the activity of washing your hands. So. With a handy countdown, so you don't have to do whatever it is you do to. You don't sing count happy birthday anymore, or no? When?
2: I stopped doing that the the happy birthday twice thing. Yeah, and yeah. I went with the the Ducktales theme music. And the duck- oh, you, you weren't get to
3: doing the rip-roll song.
2: <laughs> no, I don't know where to where to stop on that one. Mm.
3: Yeah, you can't stop. I know that's the problem. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but the Ducktales one, good, it's, right? it's, it's
2: easy after the third woo hoo, then you're done. Oh yeah, okay. so if you remember. If you're like me and, and remember that show from the '80s, or I guess the the revival, the reboot mm-hmm. uh, here in the in the 2010s, I think it started last year in the 2019. Um, uh, you'll you'll no longer have to do that to and, and be really good at keeping time to to do that. Now you can just let your watch tell you. I guess yeah. it gives you like a notification or a buzz of some sort.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it gives you a little happy sound, and you get. So now you don't noise. even have to know how to count to fifteen. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you get points for exercising your hands. Um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so the, the other thing they talked about was Apple privacy. Of course, they talked about building how it's built in. We've talked about this many times on the show. Uh, data minima- minimization, in other words, not uh, the de- data that gets sent off the phone is not uh, is the minimum amount they need. Um, using on, on device intelligence, um, it's secure and transparent. They're also being transparent about what they're doing with your device, your information. So again, like your cycling routes and all that kind of stuff that gets... Whatever gets sent to Apple is not uh, identifiable. It's not, you know... Uh, it's just a minimal amount of information that they would need to do what they need to do to tell you what they need to tell you. Um, the other cool thing they talked about was sign in with Apple, which I thought was kind of cool. Like 200 million accounts on sign in with Apple already. Uh, kayak alone. Kayak is, a, I guess, a reservation system, uh, hotels, yes. right? They, they have, uh, twice as many customers that use sign in with Apple when they sign with that service, which is kind of cool. Which is coming is that you will be able to soon be able to convert existing logins to sign in with Apple. So like if you have, I mean, when I see it, I tend to use it, but, but again, I get to have that goofy double Apple ID thing. But yeah, if I've been using it a lot lately when I see it now and I'm seeing it more on my Mac and on my iPad and stuff like that, uh, which is kind of cool. So yeah, that's neat. Oh, apps now have to ask if they're going to track you, right? Uh, if if you're if you're capturing information about their users, Apple uh, developers now have to go in and, and tell Apple like there's a, a new requirement on App Store Connect where you have to tell um, your users what you're tracking about them, right? Do you guys do you guys cut that part right?
2: Yeah, it's this new App Store policy, but it's weird because it's self reported. Yeah, um, <laughs> which I mean, you'll be fine. <laughs> the, the good thing is that Apple uh, the 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 good side of apple being able to just hit people over with a hammer is if they discover that you're not self-reporting correctly they can and will remove you from the app store just to teach you a lesson right they, they have that ability to do that so it's kind of in your best interest to follow their uh, nutrition label metaphor and and mark things appropriately I and mean, they talked about the the microphone and camera usage will now show up in the status bar very similar to the way that uh, location services when an app fires that up you, you get to know and that's a pretty good one because yeah you know it's pretty reasonable, like, oh, yeah, you know, this app is all about, you know, recording voice memos, so I sure would like to have it access the microphone. True, but only when I'm actively using that feature. It shouldn't, therefore, be able to just listen willy-nilly when I have the app open, but I'm not using it. Right? That's creepy and weird. So I I like the fact that they've added this.
1: Yeah, and you can see the privacy statement on apps before they're downloaded to, before you download it to your device. So I can not tell you a number of times over the years I've downloaded an app that I didn't intend to want to create an account on, on a server of some type or whatever, only to find out after I downloaded it that I had to create an account to, to some sort of third party that... Yeah. So I, I have tons of apps in my, in my graveyard of a phone, uh, looking for suggestions as to where to put them. HomeKit. So yeah, Home, they're, um, they're, they're working with third parties. They're now creating an alliance with Amazon and Google. I have tons of devices here. We try to buy things for HomeKit, but sometimes we, we have things that, that aren't. So hopefully they'll start to get more and more uh, across. They've, they've open sourced HomeKit so that, uh, uh, people can, can, you know, uh, start writing for it specifically. So I guess, cause it's sort of a, I don't know if you guys noticed at all, if you have any electronic devices like home devices or home automation devices, there seems to be three camps right now, Amazon, Google, or Apple. Um, some of the Amazon and Google tend to work together a lot, but home sort of been the, the orphan in a sense. So I guess this is one of the reasons why they're doing this. Um, new things in lighting where you can, the lighting can be adaptive. It can have a different kind of color during the morning when you're, when you're trying to wake up and change, you know, take blue out of the color when you're winding down at night. Um, Cameras that are using in in, uh, in HomeKit, there's a lot of end-to-end encryption in HomeKit uh, built in, so that you know cameras uh, information is is private. Um, you can now use contacts, uh, like if you have a door a doorbell or a door camera, it'll recognize people who uh, you have designated through facial facial recognition from your photos and your contacts, which is kind of cool. Um, Apple TV be able to resume. Give- oh, this is yeah, this is an interesting one. You can now have multiple users on Apple TV, right, for switching between games is that correct
2: yeah and that 100 percent makes sense and it made a lot of people upset that you're unable to do the same for your ipad oh really in yes the, the classroom yeah. experience um mm. gotta fork out your money kids <laughs> but yeah i mean that's that's pretty nice that you know you can set up different game profiles because um, it, it, it just makes sense to be able to switch between those profiles right you know um pretty nice that they're uh, also did, did you mention the live view of who's at your door related to home kit
1: uh well i was just talking about Reason, but I didn't necessarily call it specifically that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so when you're watching Apple TV+, Plus and somebody comes to your
2: door, you can see a little picture-in-picture picture of, like, Who Oh, is this that? is oh, oh, on your Apple okay. TV. Oh, I see.
1: Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, Cool. Nice. Yeah. Cool. And so the big story, big sur story is uh Mac OS, obviously. This one goes to eleven, as Mark joked on the during the keynote and I totally missed it. Um yeah. So um
3: I didn't make that joke though. Who made I, I was just I was just pointing out that I noticed on the slide that, that they said it was version eleven. Oh, did they? And mm-hmm. I was asking about it. But I but I didn't make the goes to eleven joke. Somebody else did.
2: I technically uh, didn't either. I just said that people need to start cranking up the uh, Spinal Tap memes, which means like it now. goes to
1: eleven. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. So it's it I, it I, just... I technically,
2: I technically, okay. by the letter of the law here, did not make
1: because I'm because I, I, I saw I your did. comment on Slack and I went, "What does that mean? What did I miss?" I made the you meta know? comments oh, about okay. the,
2: the presumed existence of said jokes.
1: Yes. Well, I, I didn't. I, so I, I, I did. I missed the numbering, but I did eventually catch up with you guys after a bit. when they re- I mean,
2: they didn't it. call it out. It was like you had to really. I was on the see,
1: slide.
2: You blink and you miss it. Sort of thing on the the screenshot as it came out of. So here's what the system
1: is. We were talking about this on the release notes uh, happy hour thing just a few minutes ago before the show. That what 1999 is when beta came out for Mac OS X as it was called back then. Don't at me.
3: Wasn't it before that? I don't remember. It
1: was around 99. Let's so so it's been pretty much 20 years that we've been or 10 years. How many?
3: Yeah, 20 years. That's 20.
1: 20 years. 20 years that we've been that we've had Mac OS X and now we've finally got to 11. Yeah, and which I mean. And they could have gone to eleven. And yeah.
3: Did you notice that they wrote it out as the numeral eleven? Oh, they didn't do XI. XI. Oh, yep. Right. Yep.
1: That's because I'm old, and I wouldn't be able I wouldn't be able to make that transition, Mark. Sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so new design. They, they, so I don't know if you noticed, but I call them, I'm calling it skumorphic because it's kind of got shadows now and it's got shape on the icons. And uh, I noticed that some of the new. Um...
3: Oh, it was 2001 that it was first released. Okay, 10.0. close
1: enough. I was off by yeah. two years. It's like a Microsoft error.
3: Final release of Mac OS 9 was in 19.
1: Oh, okay. And knew it was around there somewhere. Okay, 2001. Yeah. All right. When was the beta? Was when was early. the beta?
3: Well, it would have been probably early, probably early 2001. Or maybe two thousand. Yeah, I think because if they released it in March, yeah, it was released in March two thousand one. So it would have been two thousand, probably. Yeah, yeah,
1: because it was like it was like a six month or nine month beta, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. and
1: you had to pay ninety nine dollars to get it. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so yeah they, they they i noticed that some of the behaviors in the menus um seem to be behaving like the iPad that we've been having when you when you move your cursor over or your mouse over them um they sort of transform the same way that and they highlight the same way that uh, Apple TV or the iPad OS does um which is kind of cool um control control center on the Mac coming to the Mac I'm not sure we didn't sort of have that already with this i guess it's a quicker way to get to things right like uh i use control center on my ipad all the time yet.
2: yeah i mean and in, in the fact that it's customizable is nice too yeah uh, right as yeah. i've got you know a whole bunch of i forget what these things are called in the upper like in the status bar it's like charms or some other similar name <laughs> i have a whole bunch of these little icons like oh you know here's my bluetooth uh status here is you know my time machine status here's like a whole bunch of that stuff could go away if i had a really easy control center like place to put it
1: so have Have you you used the the app called Bartender Three, which is basically the same idea? You can hide, you can group and hide um, these these little icons across your screen because, like, if you're doing presentation videos, sometimes they're distracting. So you can use Bartender to hide them. Anyway, that's another app. I've heard of it, but never used it. (laughs) That's been Sherlock by this feature. Um, Yeah, I mean, mind you, many things have been been over the years have been Sherlock. You
3: mean it's been spotlighted by that feature? Spotlighted? No, I'm just (laughs) (laughs) messing.
1: Yeah, yes, you are. Yes, he's (laughs) messing with me, Jake. Greg, help me. so the new the new maps is coming over to Mac OS ten yeah, that, no, say not that. ten. Ma, so See, we, we have to get away from saying oh, 11. that. It, it'll Eleven. Be yes. Just Mac OS. Yes, Mac, Mac OS. OS. It's it's Big macOS. Mac OS, yes, yeah. coming to a Mac yeah. OS to a near you. Yeah. It's got the uh, indoor indoor maps is kinda cool too when you're if you can go to a mall, which apparently now we can, you could sort of go and see, look at an inter- indoor map and find out where things are. Um, they've changed the name to Mac Catalyst. I don't know if you guys caught that. Um, so, and, and an example they used for Mac Catalyst was the Swift Playgrounds app on Mac. They could have also used the app developer app, but I guess that's another story. Um, yeah, so, so it's a Catalyst example. Um, they're calling Safari. So but,
3: but, you know, it makes you wonder, do you really, does anyone really need Catalyst anymore if all of these apps are going to run natively on the new hardware.
1: Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. I've seen a lot of discussion. I think that you the, guys are skipping ahead. But yeah. No,
2: right. yeah well, yeah. I mean, there's, even if we didn't have the, the the part of the discussion that's going to come after we talk about Safari, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of a weird bit of timing for Catalyst, given that it came out when SwiftUI came out, which sort of like, well, yeah, it's, it's a little less painful to do Catalyst in order to get over to Mac. But if you have the option of going SwiftUI, you probably should just start with SwiftUI in, in iOS oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think, and even doubly more so in, in oh, iOS. We're going to get to that 14 in fourteen and macOS, okay. where like they they doubled down even more on things like the the widgets. So um, I I think Catalyst is probably like a unnecessary stepping stone, but I, I don't think that it would. I don't think it'll have a very long life uh, for SwiftUI and uh, topic after Safari reasons.
1: <laughs> 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 All right. Um since we're there, uh Safari, they're calling Safari the world's fastest desktop browser. Do you guys believe that? I don't know. They're saying fifty they percent say faster than lot. Chrome? I don't know.
3: They say that a lot. There's some benchmark they do where it's faster. Yeah. Maybe maybe Google does some other benchmark and it's and then Chrome's faster or something like that.
1: Hard to say. Yeah, they're saying also that it was the first browser to have privacy cookies blocking and and blocking tracking as well, ad tracking. I think that is true. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah. I do remember that, that. So yeah, they did a um, privacy report on safari I can't remember where i wrote that down oh monitors oh yes they're now adding monitoring safe part passage which is a feature in uh M in uh, one password i don't know if that's true in uh, last and those tools but like that's one of the things it'll tell you when it, when you've been pwned as it were have i been pwned um uh, they're extending web extensions new catalyst app for the maps they're implementing
2: the web extensions api which right I know Firefox does. I don't know if, if Chrome does. So that's nice. You'll be able to add extensions using that, that open standard. They're not particular to, to Safari. Um, and it's pretty cool that they added the fact that you can limit which sites extensions have access to instead of giving them access to everything. Mm-hmm. And you can choose time limited
1: access, which is nice. Yes. That's yes. really cool. So just a day, just the site, or always allow.
2: Well, what I'm wondering is uh, Chrome has a feature where you go to a page that's not in your native language. It will prompt you and say, would you like me to translate this right. page for yes. you? Yes. Is, is that what that feature is for Safari? Maybe, maybe.
1: Let's, let's let, I might cut it. We'll see. So then we came back to Tim Cook again, which tells us we're coming up to the big announcement of the day, the one more thing kind of thing. Um, and that is, of course, which we've talked about many, many times. He talked about the three major transitions that have happened over the years with Apple. Um, one was going to PowerPC one was going to Intel and I can't remember what the third one was. I mean we've been talking about this for the last three weeks, right? <laughs> um, anyway, they're calling you? it they didn't call it ARM by any by its name. They called it Apple Silicon, right? right arm
2: wrestling intel with apple silicon would be headline (laughs) (laughs) if i was at the newspaper
1: right uh 10 generations of arm chips that they've had over the years they started with iphone first and then ipad with retina needed a custom chip so they went to that um and then a5 apple's a5x started the translation to this stuff Uh, hundred times faster a thousand times faster uh, graphics over the years uh lower power for the apple watch is another requirement that they did, so they built their own chip for that, and um, two billion. It says two billion SOC, so that's two billion system on a chips. So what does that mean again, Mark? Uh,
3: two billion transistors. transistors. So a system on a, mm. a system on a chip is is a term that's been around for a long time. Even when I was in the semiconductor industry, it was it was around. It's in the in the, in the early days of chips, you would have you would have a chip would be a would be something that had a certain purpose, and if you wanted to make a big circuit, you'd wire a bunch of chips up and all in the same, either on a circuit board or sometimes in the same package or whatever, and then. Someone had the idea of well, wait a minute. We can make a, a bigger chip that does more than one thing. So you put a whole system of things all on a single chip. So you have a bunch of you can conceptually think of it as a bunch of little chips all on one chip that are connected to each other. So they call that a system on a chip. Kind of a buzzword. It, in in this content context, it usually means like there's a microprocessor. There's probably there's memory. There's GPU. There's there's a radio uh, being the you know the Wi-Fi or, or Bluetooth radio all on the same chip. They'll call that a, they'll call that a system on a chip.
1: Cool. Yeah, so um, yeah, they needed a secure a secure enclave as well, advanced powering. They wanted more performance. You want high performance and low power is what the, they sort of said in their little chart. So they're trying to you know, target. It's just hard to do. Yeah, hard to do, but they're, apparently they're going to try and do it.
3: Because I think I, I told you guys last week that power is proportional to switching speed of transistors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to get high performance, you need fast speed, but normally when you do that, you have to increase the power. So to, to get both low power and high speed is pretty
1: Right, right. So now, once they get this app, the Mac onto this uh, this new Apple Silicon, they'll have, be able to have native apps for all the things. Um, so their apps can be ported over now using Xcode 12. Um, it, and it has an option if you start an app from scratch, you can build a universal app which will run across you know all the devices like um, Mac, iPad, iOS, um, Apple TV, and Watch as well. Um, so you can build with one single. Code base that will will address them and and they'll 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 take care of the the sort of what happens in the background. Um, it's going to be running. They currently have the A twelve Z bionic chip with its universal memory architecture and neural engines. and And they talked about Rosetta two, which we talked about Rosetta before, being the the tool that let us move run um, power PC apps on Intel. Is that right? What we used Rosetta for, Mark?
3: Well, there was the so I think the I think the classic. Well, it was when when they went from sixty eight thousand to power PC. And that was, I believe, that was carbon right? That
1: was Carbon. Rosetta was PowerPC to Intel. Yeah, But
3: wasn't it Carbon was the one that went from Classic to PowerPC? Yeah, we
1: had Cocoa and Carbon back then, yes, exactly. Right, right. Um, Yeah, so this translates faster than the current one. It translates all the code automatically on the fly. Um, And it's going to allow for for new virtualizations like Linux and Docker as well. Andreas Wendker came on and talked about the the new Kickstart program that they're going to have um, where you'll basically get a Mac Mini with an a12Z chip in it, 16 gigs of memory, 512 gigabyte space or SSD, and you can apply today, and it's, they're calling it the developer translation kit, and uh, yeah, so uh, interestingly enough on, on on that sidebar on that one, I did apply um, for Pi Day countdown no, I'm kidding, it wasn't Pi Day countdown but um, I did apply, and I got accepted, and I've talked to two Mac, bona fide Mac developers in, in today who have not heard from Apple yet as whether they've been approved, hmm. so I think it's kind of sort of a lottery again I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But the idea is you have to spend, uh, It's. I think it's $500 US to uh, get the hardware. Uh, you keep it for a year, you build your apps on it, and then you have to return it after the year is over. So
3: Did they give you $500 back at the end? No. no.
1: I don't think so. What do they, they do if you don't return it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Come to your house and take your house away. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, remember the like- So I have seven days to decide whether I'm going to pay the $600 and get the thing, but to be honest with you, I don't think I would make that much money on on an app that I would make. So I don't know if I if I would. Um, it might take me a few years, I guess, to, to make it back. But yeah, so that's uh, that's the story of of WW's, or the keynote for me anyway. Any comments?
3: I've summed it up.
2: Yeah. I think I'm going to advise people, because you, you know what's going to happen. As soon as these kits hit the streets, you know people are going to very quickly, using beta software, try to write benchmarks to see, oh, how does this thing perform? Let me tell you oh. two things. One, this summer is you know beta software, and it doesn't necessarily have all the performance enhancements. in mm-hmm. the first seeds. You're in the middle. It's towards the end. And the other thing I'd say is that um, A12Z processor is almost certainly not the processor as they're going to be shipping the you know, the, the first arm based Mac with later this year, because why would they, right? Why would you give up the secret sauce to Intel to be able to, to grab one of these and run benchmarks? You don't want Intel to know where you have to hit performance to match. You want them to be sweating out exactly how big of a change in performance is it going to be? So I think the, the actual kit, um, sorry, the actual processor will be better in performance than the A12Z.
3: Well, they probably haven't made the actual processor yet, to be honest, or finished. Mm. It. I mean, I mean don't get me wrong these these things take two to three years to actually make so it's close to being done but it's probably not being really manufactured yet it's probably still being financed yeah well, that's my guess so the
1: current a12 is in is in the new phones and the ipads right the A12 Bionic, I think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. I'm talk- I am mean, I'm talking about the new one that's going in the,
1: the real, yeah, the A13 right. order. Right. The or real one Yeah, yeah. Doesn't, doesn't yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. this is just a, just a stopover. Oh, I mean, they had Intel Max when they were developing for Intel as well, even though they didn't tell half of us, very many of us. Anyway, so the next big story, of course, was from the same day on Monday, was the platform State of the Union.
2: I'll be totally honest. A big part of it was spent on the ARM transition. mm mm-hmm. Too and much. It, a huge part of it. A yeah. little, yeah, I think maybe a little too much because I think even though in some ways this this touches everyone, um, it's not really super hyper-relevant content for the overwhelming majority of developers. Right, And it's not to, to, to downplay it, but I just think it, it took a little too much time. So I'm going to go through what I have here. So sure. uh, the, recapping the keynote. Uh, by the way, you can replace Safari and Mail as your default apps on iOS. Mm-hmm. That was on a slide somewhere in the keynote, but definitely was not highlighted. So it'll be nice. They've created the Find My program at developer.apple.com slash my. So other apps and companies can join in the fun of, you know, I need to find this thing. But well, cool, they'll have a way to do that. Well, I
1: can uh, probably, do with a device tracker. Hey.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or if you're a tile and you have sued Apple <laughs> for their, yeah. their their inability to, to have that sort of feature, like, oh, I guess that lawsuit goes away. But moving on. Uh, of course, cool. they talked about Apple Silicon. They talked about Universal 2. You'd mentioned the, the Universal app thing that uh, has Intel and Apple Silicon-based architectures in a single app. Xcode builds for your native architecture during development, because that would be the faster one. But then you can choose a new any Mac with Apple Silicon and Intel has the options. If you want to do that, you can use an update and build option, which presumably will get you, like a lot of these migrations, a lot of the way towards being able to have your app be available. Uh, and they claim for many apps, just a few engineering data. They showed how um, OpenCV, Chromium, Blender, Unity, and a whole bunch of other open source programs are uh, up and running, I believe, on uh, on using Universal 2. Then they also talked about Rosetta 2, which has uh, ahead-of-time performance translation. So I believe at install time is where they're tending to to prefer doing that, to just take the hit the one time when you're installing the app to do the translation. Uh, But they've also got dynamic translation for the just-in-time type purposes like JavaScript running on, uh, in your browser. And, and even though they didn't state this, I, I would guess probably for WebAssembly as well, which is a, a burgeoning, um, web technology that uh, I think we've mentioned on the show, but I don't want to spend too much time. On. Uh, we noted in, in our Slack channel that, uh, they, they talked about Swift for Linux running on Parallels desktop and they used vapor as their, their example. So that was pretty, pretty neat to see. What have I got a Mac Catalyst here? Uh, apps are in applications folder by default, but you can rename and also move out of the folder. Uh, but they've got some sort of, looks like an archive structure or something. I didn't write good notes here, but he said like, you know, iOS apps don't expect to be moved out of their place, but they've got something that, that proxies that for your app. So your app doesn't freak out. Uh, and you can use iOS extensions as is on macOS, which is pretty nice. Moving down to macOS Big Sur, uh, I think they'd recapped a bit about notifications shown grouped together for the same apps, uh, very similar to what you'd see on iOS or iPadOS. Uh, sheets float above a window and are dimmed, uh, so going along with that new design language that they're using, the more unified look and feel across Mac and iOS. Uh, they, they spent a fair amount of time talking about toolbars sitting atop content, uh, the colorful SF symbols, so SF symbols 2, I think is what they called it, that they give a version? I know I knew noted somehow it is different and of course that this is macOS version 11 let's see looking at ipad os ipad os 14 has sidebars sidebar sidebars and uh, sidebars. color picker Don't forget sidebar
3: yeah
2: <laughs> sidebars within your sidebars uh color picker No dog i consistent. put sidebars in my sidebars <laughs> uh they did mention uh, the depth api and the lidar sensor from ipad pro uh, pencil kit got some love especially the text entry with scribble so that's pretty cool moving to ios they did some recap on the widgets and app clips uh notably the widgets are written in swift ui so um i think if that sort of answers the question of like when should you start learning if you haven't started learning now <laughs> now would be a pretty good time because it's clearly not this thing you are dabbling with right it is a you can't do it in Objective-C, so let that, right. let that be your guide.
1: <laughs> I can't do it in Swift either.
2: Yeah, I mean, not not just, you know, plain old Swift with UI kit, for sure. Uh, so if you want to play in that game, you, you've got to learn Swift UI. And um, they, they talked about the fact that the the way that the widgets work is they have a... I didn't actually write this note, but I, I I do remember them talking about their taking advantage of the the descriptive nature of Swift UI. I'm like, oh, well, so then we can just archive your UI every once in a while and then then when we're asked to show it, we can just rehydrate that and tell the GPU, Hey, just directly show this, 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 uh, you know, sticker version of my, my content and then can mm. update appropriately. So they don't have to fire up your app all the time to do that. Is that nice.
1: to about? Yeah. Yeah. And, they, and then they talked about the, Yeah, There's a timeline. Yeah. That they, that, so that you don't have to have the spinning wheel or, or that, uh, what do they call it? Uh, thing that the Facebook does shimmer, shimmer. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And the widget protocol and the timeline provider stuff, this is the part that definitely reminded me of, of glances on WatchOS. Mm, yeah. Um, possibly it was called WatchKit. I don't remember where that was in history.
3: I think that was WatchKit. I think that was er, very early on, early days.
2: Okay. That, that was my suspicion. Uh, yeah. App clips, talking about that. So uh, the app card is nicely auto generated by your App Store metadata. Um, the app is already downloading in the background by the time the user has ended up triggering the system to do so, right? So if they've uh, scanned the QR code, for example, and it's showing you the UI like, hey, this is what that will be. He's like, cool, we're already downloading this in the background. As mentioned earlier, we don't have to manually sign up or add your credit card data because you can just use sign up to Apple and use Apple Pay. Uh, you can open from apps that you use every day, for, uh, as Mark mentioned, like through your QR codes or sharing a link in Safari, etc. cetera. Uh, uses native SDK, less than 10 megabytes. They very notably said, leave out analytics SDKs you don't really need, which yeah. I feel like <laughs> was some <laughs> unnecessary shade, but sure. All right. <laughs> (laughs)
3: Yeah, it was kind of surprising that they pointed that out. It 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 almost was like that was on purpose, right? They don't, they never. Everything's on purpose. So, well, I've suspected for a little while now, for various reasons, that Apple is planning their own analytics library sometime in the future, so that they can get get everyone off of uh, Google Analytics or Firebase or. Uh, mixed panel or anything else, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, they also mentioned that you can use notifications and you can have a uh, eight hour permission for notification. I, actually, I think you're you're set to eight hours permission for notifications. I don't remember if they talked about this in the session or if I just heard it elsewhere. But I think the pretty good rationale is going back to that parking meter example. All right, I've paid for the parking meter. Sure, would be nice to get in a notification of like, hey, dummy, your mm-hmm. you know your time I'm is right. about to run out. You should probably yeah. go move your car or pay some more. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Within an eight hour period, that's, that's kind of a little bit close for a work day, but sure. You know, that's, that's, that's,
1: that's pretty good. Oh, that's the max, the max time. Okay.
2: I think it was the max time, but I, I, didn't, I haven't wow. seen the sessions, but I think that's what they talk about. But, but that makes sense, right? Because two days later, if I'm not using that parking meter uh, app clip, I don't want it spamming like, Hey, have you tried our other parking meters? No, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> right.
1: So
2: if I want to go download, can the I app,
1: unsubscribe? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. If I want to, you know, now, oh, and I got to go turn off the notifications and stuff. Um, I, but along the lines of, if I truly did like the app, apparently you can add store kit sheets to drive app installs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I I can already see a whole bunch of ideas for what people will do with this. As we've talked about in uh, probably our Slack channel, there probably will be people trying to do spammy things with this. Yeah. I would say don't. You know, it really should be. Actually did th-
1: they said that in the, in the uh, video I watched today at the very end. They sort of said, yeah, just don't do not do that. Like, not specifically, but they, they implied that it's meant to be used, you know, in in moderation. Yeah. And I
2: think it's reasonable if the, you believe the re, the user had a good experience, right? They, they tried your clip. They had some successful action. And then you're like, cool. Would you like to have this permanently? And then let the user decide, you know, uh, I, you probably shouldn't bring it up as soon as your clip fires up as if you're trying to, you know, avoid the whole purpose of the clip, which is downloading a small part of an app just in time, just the little bits that you need. Um, it's kind of like the, you know, don't ask for, for push notification permissions as soon as I fire up your App for the very first time because I don't I don't know if I want to give you that permission. I think it will be the same thing. here. You know, don't don't shove a store kit sheet in my face. I was trying to use the clip, not download your app.
3: So you wait until they've ordered their first cup of soup before you get them on the app.
2: Yeah, I, I feel like that's a fair a fair time to do it. <laughs> yeah,
3: yep. yeah, referencing the, the soup thing that was the big rage last year.
2: The, the soup store, soup chef, or soup. Everything was all
3: about soup yeah. last year. Yeah. Has there been Tim? You've watched more of the videos than we have. But has there been some kind of a a common theme between all the, the sample apps? there
1: there's a couple experiment. there's a couple coming up one is um, uh, this book library thing that I've been watching it's one of the things and then another one was um, yeah there, there's uh, the the one where you talk about the different um, uh, collection views um, that one seems to have a common theme as well so there's a few. few. I haven't quite caught got them all yet is that it for you, Jaime? You got more or no?
2: Well, the, the one last one in that section is app privacy. They talked about the data linked to you, the self reporting for apps in the App Store. Right. Okay. Um, wow. I guess I was getting salty by the time Watch It Was Seven was mentioned. Here's literally <laughs> my notes. Literally my notes. LOL. Who cares? They didn't show anything specific to watches, really. I guess complication stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. So if you I, I so UI complications in preview device, that's the only thing I've got. Yeah.
3: I, I did feel just in general that the platform. State of the Union was a lot lower. Content. This was
1: an S year from from yeah. This was this was probably the the least interesting platform State of the Union I've been to in like ten years. Yeah. Normally, normally they're packed with all kinds of insights and whatever. You know, like I almost didn't write down Xcode document tabs because I was like, who cares? We already have tabs, right? Until... So
3: I took yeah, I took extensive notes for the keynote. Yeah. And then I switch over to my platform State of the Union notes. Yeah. I have three lines: developer transition kit, yeah. widgets, app <laughs> <laughs> and then I stopped. <laughs> well, you can also, you, you can finally change the font size in,
1: in the project navigator. That's one thing. That was like, yeah, yeah, yeah this I'm whole yeah. novella for the keynote and this haiku for the platform.
2: Yeah, you right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, well, a couple more, and then then and there are more right. salts, which we'll get Okay. Uh, as I'm reading ahead. So, Xcode 12, you know, dynamic tab to show stuff as you move around, or you can open yeah. things in a new tab if you want them to hang around. Yeah. New Swift UI app project templates that split up code for other platforms. Uh, yes. You have XC tests that can now use scrolling velocity. So they, they added some more love for, for tests. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, store kit testing including the store kit manager that shows details of what's going on with in-app purchases. So they helped solve what I understand to be a huge pain in the neck for people trying to debug what's going oh, on. Oh, yeah, yeah. With, yeah, in-app with in-app the purchase. virtual
1: purchases. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then they added um,
2: views and modifiers that can appear in your library and from Swift packages, too, by adopting a protocol, which seemed like a much fancier pants version of of IP designable for the stuff that you're creating with SwiftUI, mm. which, is, which is pretty mm-hmm. neat. And speaking of SwiftUI, they definitely focused on source stability. So these improvements that they add are additive, meaning they will not break your existing source. Uh, they added the at main app struct to manage your app in a few lines of code. So you, you really don't need a whole bunch of other things. They've done a lot of the boilerplate for you if you do that. And we have long wanted, at least one year, as as I say long here for SwiftUI, you know, what's the collection view equivalent Equivalent. And it turns out that you have this new lazy loading ability mm-hmm. for lists of stack views, and you can get that performance as it loads things on demand. And they have, my understanding, a lazy grid that is the Correct. equivalent yeah. of Collection View. I haven't seen that session, but it, it seemed like that's what they were saying. Yes, grids. Grids are the new
1: grids. Yes. Collection Views are taking over from, from Table Views. I watched the, I watched a section on Collection View and her video on that. That's coming up. Um, that's a long
2: time coming because when Collection View came out in iOS 12, Twelve. it's i was 12 so what am i saying 2012 in
1: iOS uh six
3: so i was seven wasn't it maybe i was six it,
1: it was six in 20 in 2012 i think i went to the session with the two guys from france who came up with it and they got hired by yep. apple <laughs> did yeah, their presentation yeah. it was like it was a mess right because um, it was something i was really interested in i tried to get into collection reviews right off right at the get-go but uh um, it's you know, it's taken a long time, but they found it's finally gotten to the point where it's funny now that we've got this. They've added a bunch of stuff to Collection View this year, but they're also adding in this new grid metaphor for for Swift UI. So, going to see who going to be interesting to see who wins the day, right? Yeah, I, I, I do remember yeah. thinking when at least Collection
2: View came out in 2012, iOS six. I remember thinking, and I think I asked in one of the the lab sessions, and and they didn't give a straight answer. I remember asking, so why would I? Use Use table view. Why don't I just have a one-dimensional collection view? And I think
1: the the answer I got at the time was like, well, table view has a lot of
2: uh, performance enhancements because it can make
1: assumptions that a collection view cannot. Wait a second. Were you in that, you were in the, the first talk where they first rolled out um, back in 2012?
2: Yeah, I was sitting sitting in the audience, and I remember you know they talked about collection view and some of the things it did for her, like dequeuing That was nice, and then said, oh, by the way, we've done the same thing for table view. So dequeuing Because you know what? I
1: think it. I actually remember you asking that question. But I didn't know who you were. You were that close. I was, close in, the, I was in the audience. Then. Yeah, yeah. No, were you well, like they, sitting, they, were you what, sitting I, like? Were you sitting like maybe ten rows back on the right hand side?
2: Possibly, but I don't think I asked this question till like the broader audiences would have been in one of the
1: lab. Um, oh, in the lab. Okay, okay. Lab that areas. In, yeah. Somebody yeah. asked a question like that during during the actual, after, you know, the Q and A at the end of the talk, right? Don't you remember there was a Q and A Q&A at the end there?
2: I kind of vaguely remember that. Anyway. But yeah, it was neat. Um Okay, so you weren't up, the guy. Hmm? So you weren't the guy. Okay. So No, no, that wasn't me. But I did ask at the at the labs. <laughs> like, you
1: know. That would have been serendipity for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um the lab the very I'm last to the thing. lab too now I to think about it, yeah. Hmm. Back then you could walk into the lab so you didn't have to make appointments.
2: Yeah, I think it was first come
1: first serve. Yeah, yeah. That year, uh, under the more
2: category in my notes, the very last line is again more salt. TVOS lull. <laughs> who cares? Nothing worth mentioning. I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there was one thing I caught in in at the very end. It uh, wasn't actually talked about, but it was it was in the scroll screen at the end of it. Did you see that? No. Okay. So no, I guess the, I didn't. The was... last the last part of the show, you probably just all went off and had a beer or whatever. But the last part of the the platform from State of the Union was a scroller that talked about health and safety, and they said that for everybody that was involved in the making of all of it, and this I guess this applies to all of WWC. Um, they had daily health screenings. Um, they all practiced proper safe distances. Face coverings were used by everybody but the presenter, and the presenters were isolated when two presenters had to be in, on the same screen. They had to; they were isolated by considerable distance, distances, and everything was sanitized to it. And Inch of its life.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I did, And they showed that at the keynote. End did of the they? Keynote as oh, okay, well.
1: I didn't see the, the end of the keynote. Yeah, I, I that, that was
2: here. the, you know, no animals were harmed in the making yes. of this movie sort yes. of thing, which I thought, you know, somebody said, you know what, we're going to get slammed. There's already people writing articles for Forbes who are just ready to submit. <laughs> if we don't put this on there. Yeah,
1: we're Apple gonna get jeopardizes hit. health of, of employees to make videos for...
2: Yeah, because it was clear they were for actual <laughs> physical location that was not the home right as, as opposed to um, most of what Microsoft did for its build conference it, not true because they had I think two main hosts socially distanced but in um, like a studio of some sort but everybody else was presenting from their presumed house and very clearly people were not presenting for their house for the Apple content Yeah, we get a couple of quick items that I put is sort of the, the the just after what was it mentioned in the keynote or the platform State of the Union uh, one is an iOS 14 accessible ability option that lets you tap the back of your phone to launch apps and or run shortcuts so you can double tap or triple tap on the back of your phone if you set up this option oh yeah 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 so people somebody like do a demo oh. of that. so you can fire up certain apps you can't fire up the camera but somebody say hey but i can write a shortcut that fires up the camera yes you can hmm. and you can set that as a workaround so that's cool uh they also have an ios 14 so you can feature serendipitously
1: serendip- 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 take pictures of people without them knowing it
2: <laughs> uh i suppose so in that case um But it it could be used for other things too, right? So you you really wanted some particular app to be even more readily accessible. You could have that fire up. Uh, You've also got a feature in iOS 14 that uh, has your iPhone alert you if it hears certain sounds like dogs barking, a doorbell or fire alarm. I believe this is an accessibility feature as well. But like a lot of accessibility features, it's not just for people who are impaired in some way, but generally usable for uh, the public at large. So that's cool. And the single session that I actually did watch because it's only 15 minutes. (laughs) And it was on a a topic that I was like, oh, that's cool. That's work-related. Safari is going to support passwordless logins via Face ID and Touch ID by implementing the Platform Authenticator Flow or WebAuthn, which we've mentioned, I think, once or twice before on the show. So that's pretty cool that you'll be able to do that. And it's a very short video on how they're doing that. Um, It's really nice because you'll have even fewer opportunities for people to try to steal your password password in some way oh well, they can't steal your password if all you ever did was use it the first time to register and after that you're using your uh, your iPhone or your uh, Mac you know biometric devices to, to log in so that's really neat appreciated that so those are the quick items that I mentioned that were uh, things that weren't in the of other platforms state of the union but people have found as they've been poking around through the betas
1: cool all right so um well here let me just knock off a couple of things so one of the things that I remember mark was talking about collection view last year because none of us really clued into the fact that we even about collection views, and there was a session that Mark went to about
3: um, two sessions one on the diffable, yeah, data, diffable sources.
1: data source, yeah. yeah. And, and so, and so
3: the one on the composable right. collection, right?
1: Views. So, this yeah. is what they so, yeah. where that is now going. If you watch the collection view 2020 uh, video, I don't know what, what it's called, what's new in collection view, I guess, or whatever. Um, lists the, the list metaphor is now coming into collection view that they brought from the list is how they handle table view sort of content or dynamic content in in Swift. UI, so that's coming into Collection Views. So you've now got swipeable actions like we do with Table Views. Um, it's sitting on top of that compositional layout thing that you were talking about last year, I think, right? Um, and so the gist I got from this is that Collection Views are going to be replacing Table Views uh, coming going forward, right? Um, there's now a UI UI Collection View List Cell type and um, I think maybe this is a note on, on going to watch the lists in Collection View video that I meant to do for later. Um, cells are now registered the same, some very similar way that that table view table view cells are done like using a dq configured reusable cell a um, uh, concrete type i guess you call that and then um, there 's a mod so there 's another one called modern cell configuration, which is a video to follow up on this one. And, uh, also advances in diffable data source was another one that they recommended from watching, from watching the collection view one. So that was again, it was a quick, you know, I think it was like a 15 minute, uh, video as well. Um, but for me, the big takeaway, I watched the widget idea one. That was kind of interesting, but the big, big, um, thing for me was in Swift UI is that you can now build an entire app completely in Swift UI. Uh, before Swift UI apps were, they were sort of, there was a Swift component to it, like, uh, um, and you had just the content view part of, of of the the app, and you could have other SwiftUI classes, but but now there's an there's a new app type or app. I don't know if it's called a struct or whatever, but uh, there's an app um, object um, which has which has a window group uh, API that defines the interface that you're going to use. Um, so there's like an app struct which owns this window group, uh, and the windows then own scenes, and the scenes are what we we build into SwiftUI views. Um, and there's this, a session called app essentials on Swift UI, which is a follow up video to this one. But, um, I'm,
3: so there's no, there's no longer a top level UI hosting view. Right. Yeah. UI, view, UI hosting view controller.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and there's a new at main, yeah. which you, you now designate, which is going to be the primary uh, view coming when the app launches. This is the one that's got like a property wrapper called at main at the beginning of it is how you designate, which is your, your first sort of view or first object that loads. Um, you can now do settings. Scenes with for, for Mac preferences using uh, Swift UI, which is kind of cool. Um, uh, document group. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, they've added a document group um, object to uh, handle documents with, with like um, iPads, iPad apps can have documents, Mac apps can have documents as well. So there's document, document based APIs. Um, there's now a new in Xcode 12, there's now a new multi platform project type uh, template, right? So you choose that and, and basically you it will, it will set up, you write your generic or uh, your declarative code in, in SwiftUI, and that template or Xcode itself will handle how it behaves on the iPad, the Mac, the iOS device, and so on and so forth. So the the idea is you basically can very simply create a multi-platform application doing just that one, using that one template. Um, launch screen is now, and now has an info P list, so it's no longer just a storyboard. Uh, for the launch screen, you can now have a more, more stuff, you can have images and stuff like that in there uh, as well, to, to make it more interactive. Uh, widgets, as we mentioned before, are exclusively written in UI. and um, yeah, so you basically build a UI view for a widget, that's essentially how it happens. And there's a new state object at, or state object property wrapper, I guess, uh, that... Um, lets you, um, manage the state of, of your views throughout the, throughout the thing. So that's how it loads, keeps track of what the state was. So when you go to load a, a view that you previously had, it uses the state object to sort of, uh, bring, to reincarnate it or whatever you want to call it. So definitely watch, definitely watch the, um, what's new in Swift UI despite what your friends are telling you. Uh, go watch that one. That's a, a quite interesting video. So that's my Swift, that's my first Swift UI story for the day. Oh, let me say, let's say that. Let's move on to the picks. Um, my first pick here was was a video that I found for Jaime that was I forget where it was posted, but it's a song that uh, a country singer has uh, written called "Up Here in Canada." It's very comical and it talks about all the different uh, facets of uh, Canadianism, um, and uh, yeah, just sorry a lot in the song and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, so Jaime, you're next up with this. What's new in SwiftUI for iOS 14? Yeah, oh, that's, yes. that that's the name of the
2: blog post by Mr. Paul Edson on mm-hmm. hackingwithswift.com. If uh, if you haven't seen the session like I hadn't, he's got the you know little bit of uh, code, little nuggets of what is new, right? Like mm-hmm. Dealing with the multi-line editable text editor uh, using the lazy grids, as mentioned before. Um, other nice improvements for property wrappers and et cetera. Uh, not really meant to replace the official documentation or the WDW. Videos. But I think it's really nice of, like, you know, help me catch up on, on these things, uh, especially because it's broken down into different sections and uh, clickable links to very small. Here's your um, minimum amount of code you would need to get the point of what this thing is.
1: Cool. Yeah, I saw he did a he did a live session after the Platform City of you know, Union. He went through a lot of uh, stuff, and he just r- riffed off a whole bunch of things. Um, He's on for an, about an hour. Uh, it was interesting to watch him. I was working on other things, but listening in the background with him, talking about all the new things in Swift and uh, 5.2, 5. 5. I think we're in now, right? Um, and all that kind of stuff. So i got a bunch of links here that um, I forget who I found these from. Um, but basically, yeah, it's like Swift UI all the things is what I'm calling this because uh, there are uh, Apple, dev- Apple development documentation. I was sending this over to Tammy, actually, is what I was doing. We were I was asking her about SceneKit uh, scene and Scene View, and I've got the same link in here twice unfortunately. But, um... Yeah, so SceneKit has um, new stuff that uh, like hasn't had a lot of talk about SceneKit, but it's had a, it sort of a SwiftUI uh, bunch of underpinnings done in that one, and um, the other one. So SceneKit and what's this uh, other one? I'm thinking of SpriteKit. Uh, SpriteKit also has a, has had a, a Swift, some SwiftUI isms are put into it as well. Um, AVKit also has a new sort of uh, SwiftUI based video player and for dealing with media. Uh, media whether it's uh, mp3s or, or movies and that kind of stuff and of course map kit which we've talked about a few times on this show have has also had a swift ui overhaul as well or added in new new documentation on their mapping or maps uh, for using in your apps all right so are you guys going to be watching any of the videos and stuff like that coming up or you're planning to or
3: so luckily we have next week we have a we have our summer break oh cool which which uh means we're off from Wednesday through the end of the weekend hmm. because of the 4th of July holiday.
1: Okay, right.
3: Uh, so I plan to spend a whole bunch of that time watching some videos. But this week I might not get to watch too many. It's actually, I actually have a pretty busy week.
1: That's true. I forgot we have Canada Day coming up on the 1st too. Hmm.
3: Canada Day, yeah. yeah, yeah. So
1: I planned my uh, vacation correctly again. Um, all right, so uh, so Jaime, what are you planning to do for the rest of the week for WWDC?
2: I'm probably going to take a look at the list of things that are out, and mm-hmm. I might even watch the recaps first. Actually, the two minute recaps to see you know, what came out that day and, and which ones should I target. Um, am I correct in thinking that they're releasing batches of videos day by day?
1: Yeah, they're they're it's they all come out at like 10 a.m pacific daylight time so uh and it's it's weird because you know i kind of i've been going through the lists and looking to see what i want to choose and and looking at the the names of the sort of recap i kind of go i don't know like i'm not really finding you know the love that i would normally find for certain subjects but what i've been finding is that when i do go into some of them um they do highlight you know where to get go and get more information i I watched one um, session, t- uh, I watched one session a couple of t- times, like two different, the same talker, same speaker in two different sessions talking about the same app analogy and using the same sample app. And it was very repetitive. I watched one with Ed today and, and that's what we found. We both found that, uh, this particular subject was sort of a recap of what we'd just seen, like in the, in the survey one they did before, right? Just more detail and with a bit of code in there kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm still feeling it's kind of an S here in terms of it doesn't really feel like um, there's any, anything really substantive uh, other than this Swift UI building an app you know from the ground up kind of thing right so what do you think
2: I mean, remember last year when we were all complaining, oh no, there's too much stuff in,
1: (laughs) look how buggy
2: iOS 13, and it was like three um, point releases in before it became not a hassle. I'm kind of okay with having that S year of like, all right, let's let things settle. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to assume that iOS 14 and macOS Big Sur will be much more solid in their betas, and hopefully therefore much more solid in their releases in September, uh, because that'll be good. And As far as videos go, without having any sort of guidance whatsoever i was probably going to lean towards the swift ui ones uh myself because i've believed since last year that swift ui was pretty much the the future on i think yeah. that that turned out to be correct um, we, we can you know quibble about the you know how quickly is it the future and when what does that mean for you know migrations of things that sure um, but i think swift ui is definitely something that i want to get more familiar with uh, and particularly in combination with combined which i don't think i saw any news about i'm sure there's new and Improvements, but it it didn't seem to be a focus this year.
1: Yeah, so I guess the next question for you guys is: What do you think about this new format? I mean, do you think this is a format that Apple is going to continue to use over the next few years? Like, um, you know, like like putting on a putting for them, WWDC is sort of a culmination of the year too. Like, they kind of it's their their showcase of every every year, right? Like MacWorld used to be. But do you think they're going to continue with this sort of canned um, experience? Why wouldn't they? I guess is the question right? What do you think?
3: Well, there is some kind of cachet about doing it all in person, right? When you have, when you have five or 10,000 people just showing up in one place, you get a lot of press coverage, you get a lot of, a lot of excitement generated. Uh, so there is some, there is something to having the live event uh, In terms of, in terms of content transfer, I actually never thought WDC was actually the best, best format for that. Um, I always thought watching the videos was better than being there in person for, for getting the content. Uh, but, you know, you can't argue with the, with the, the press coverage and the excitement they generate and and just the buzz that it builds having all those people in one place.
1: Yeah, that's true. I can see
3: them go, I can see them go into that just for the, just for, for that sake. Uh, But on the other hand, you know, how much does Apple really get out of that? I don't know. I don't know. To be honest, Uh, they, they spend a lot of money on it. uh, And uh, it's hard to say, you know, they, a lot of their, a lot of their uh, energy is, is spent building it and and running it, which could theoretically be spent doing other things. So it's hard, it's hard to say. I think they, I they
1: lucked out by this whole Apple TV experience that they've been, you know, now that they've been getting into television production and they probably have a whole crew of people. They must've brought people up from LA or something. Cause I mean, like the lighting is amazing. The, you know, the, the video itself is, I ama- it's like movie quality kind of stuff. I mean, it's even better than most television shows I watch. Right. Um, in terms of the quality. So from that point of view, it's, I think it's, it's been an excellent presentation. Right. Um, and the fact that you can have like a quick five minute, video and a 10-minute video and a 15-minute video and you don't have to sit through like a 40-minute session you know of of boredom i am one of the things i used to do at wwc when i used to go in person is i would go to a a, you know you i just randomly pick a, a subject go into a room realize 10 minutes into this into the talk that this is not for me and get up and walk into another room and catch like the you know last 20 minutes or something else right um and you know I've stumbled across things that way that, that are amazing or, or even seeing the sort of reference to check this other video out kind of thing right that I'm talking about today as well right um uh, I find that's interesting the one thing that i got to say though I really did enjoy the the, the sort of randomness of the way that the, the re- release notes um, happy hour thing just worked was 160 people signed up and showed up and I don't know what percentage of that showed up to this Zoom call and then Charles and Joe just d- divided people randomly into rooms of five. And then so you chatted with them for, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes. Um, and it, it was kind of like, you know, standing in line and like, hey, what do you do? And hey, what do you do? And what do you think about COVID? And what do you think about grocery shopping? And, you know, what kind of apps do you make? And that kind of thing, which is the kind of icebreaker stuff that I normally would ask when I go to a conference, right? Um, that's essentially how Jaime and I met, and that's how you and I met, Mark. So... Um, that part's missing from from this whole experience for me like so definitely the going in person and and hanging out with you know five thousand other people who c- were kind of interested in the same thing that I am right that's for people in Canada that's pretty rare know down in, in San Francisco you could like I said to you mark before you can't swing a cat without hitting a developer right um, yeah. but
3: but that's you know that's, that's the Bay. valley in general yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: but I mean so it's nice to sort of see but I mean like even in, in, in silicon Valley in general you're not always running into ios people right no that's true yeah or or mac people or whatever but um what do you think homie I think it'll be a very difficult decision for next
2: year because I think everything is you know pretty spot on that you and Marcus said about you know in terms of transferring knowledge the way that they've done it this year in many respects is superior to the way that normal stuff happens for WWDC and uh, would you say twenty three million registered developers so yeah. it's like the five thousand who are blessed to go is like two tenths of one percent of all developers <laughs> yeah. it, it's never really about like disseminating the knowledge there there is something to be said about the sort of Apple festival <laughs> that it, it sort of is that I, I wouldn't want to see them completely go away from. Uh, maybe they'll have something a little different, right? Or I don't know. I, I, I could think of a million different things they might do differently uh, than they normally have when they have the option of you know, holding people. And maybe it will be more festival type thing. Like, hey, let's all get together. Let's watch this video. And then, you know, it could be a little bit more casual because you're not uh, you're not having to deal with a lot of the pomp and circumstances. Like, well, the video's pre-canned, right? You can watch it in this big auditorium and then then, you know, have snacks and beers and whatever with all the developers. Oh, did you see that thing? How cool is Swift UI's new blah, blah, blah feature, right? Like there's, there's some aspect to that, that not everyone uh, is willing to go capable of going or even gets the the sort of opportunity. I haven't been in like five years, but that doesn't mean that I wouldn't ever want to go for like the more festival part of it, right? That, that could be a whole lot of fun and having the ability to just say, Hey, I'm just going to take this week and go do dub dub stuff. It's kind of nice. It, it's a little harder now to to not uh, not be like uh, well i've got this other thing i'll watch a video tomorrow uh, i'll watch a video during lunch right it's not it's not quite the same as having dedicated focus of a week even though hypothetically i could just do that so i i, I don't it's a very long-winded way of saying i don't know what they're going to do but i do think it will be a very difficult decision next year mm-hmm.
1: yeah i think uh, yeah I, yeah it's hard to say i mean this it's sort of like the you know the, the have you ever read the Goblin of fire or seen the you've you read the, you saw the movies right i mean mm-hmm. you know the very beginning there where they go off to that festival thing where they 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 Use the boot and they all transport to this place and it's like everybody gathers together. I forget what they call that, but I'm sure the Harry Potter fans are just yelling at me right now. But Yeah, they had uh, like the Quidditch Cup or something. It was like yeah, a Cup Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and they all went there and, and um and the Death Eaters came in and ruined the ruined the party. But the the sort of you know, the, hey, let's get let's all just go and touch the boot and whip off to this, you know, thing and Harry's like, What are you guys talking about, right? Sort of um, communal experience kind of thing. I think that's where would happen. And it's funny, because like I said, the very first time I got into iOS, like I thought, you know, I had already been going to like, you know, um, conferences in Boston for um like, uh, there was a Mac world there. There was um, a thing called Seabold publishing, which was a sort of a Seabold conference for people in printing ink on publishing or ink on paper publishing. And um so I'd already had that experience of, 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 being, that was where you go to get the, the central, you know, font of knowledge kind of thing. And, um, so I was at a conference in, uh, C- in Seattle to Voices that Matter. And a friend of mine said, well, you know, the real con, the real conference you need to go to is WWDC. And so that's when I applied the first year. And fortunately back then you, you know, it was like, it took like two weeks for them to sell the tickets, right? So it was easy to get in. And, but that's when I discovered like, yeah, there are like 5,000 other people like me who are doing this same thing that I'm interested in. And that's kind of a unique experience to be able to get that, get that sort of all in one place. Right. It's kind of like you do when you go to like, when you go to a football game or or a a basketball game or a baseball game, like you, you're there with, you know, 10,000, other like-minded individuals who are either for or against the team you're rooting for right so that that kind of i think i think it drives it our sort of communal tribal you know underpinnings or you know our sort of our ancestral roots right to sort of gather together and and you know break bread and you know tell stories right like podcasting <laughs> anyway, I guess that's it for the week. Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? I'm on Twitter. It's at Hair. All right. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you?
3: I'm at markr at smapsoft.com. All
1: right. My name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And if you're, I mean, we've had a handful of people join us on the on the Friends of the Show Slack. If you want to come come by, just you know, go to the website and uh, check it out and, or ping me or whatever, or Jaime or Mark, and... uh We'll tell you how to get in and join us on Slack and talk about WWDC and all that kind of crazy stuff. Um, anyway, so by the time you hear this, it'll be over, unfortunately. But we'll continue the conversation. So, and yeah, We can talk about Buckethead and We can talk about Buckethead. Buck- yeah, there's always Buckethead. And, yeah, we can talk yeah. about him for sure. All right. So, um, yeah, Till
0: next time, we'll say bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fireside.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, leave a comment on the website, or write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word.
2: That's it. It's it. it's Looking at my notes, right. I realized you blew right past the uh, Isaac Asimov's Foundation series on Apple TV+. Plus. Oh,
1: that's right. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah, we can talk about that. That's amazing. <laughs> that's one of my favorite books. Or series books, I guess. we talked about them before. Will it
3: translate to the screen? I don't, I don't know. know.
1: I don't know. That's a tough one. The
3: clips that they were showing were really different from what I remember this, the books. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, I'm afraid they're going to make it into like, some kind of action-adventure sci-fi. <laughs>
1: and
3: they just they just were not. They weren't like
1: them. no, no, no. They were they were very
3: cerebral. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But the very first one was, or the first or second one was about trucking across space. Right? Do you remember that?
3: Oh, I don't remember. It was. I read them last probably thirty years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, more than thirty years ago. Wow. Yeah. yeah, maybe closer to forty years ago. Damn
0: old. <laughs>
1: I can probably tell you when I started reading Foundation. Let me think about that. Would probably be. Huh. I think the first book I read of that whole series was probably Robots of Dawn. You know.
3: Oh, I started with the original series. Yeah, no,
1: no, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. older than you, but I'm not that old. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, it was like university for me. So, like, it would have been like eighty six, maybe. You know?
3: That's around the t- same time that I was reading them. Yeah. Cause I was in high school at the time.
1: Yeah, but, yeah.
3: You know, but I was reading them back then.
1: Yeah, because I started getting into Arthur C. Clarke and Heinlein, and yeah. I think I read a lot of Heinlein before I read uh, a bunch of Dawn. So, yeah. Hmm.
3: I also like Poole Anderson. Did you ever read him? No. Or Paul Anderson. I don't know how it was pronounced, but it was spelled P O U L. Hmm. And Michael Moorcock.
1: Never heard of them.
3: He wrote the Ulric books.
1: Are they from the same sort of genre as timeline Asimov Clark or are they later uh, later guys?
3: Paul Anderson was same kind of genre. Uh, Moorcock was more like the swords and sorcery
1: kind mm, stuff, right? Yeah. Did You ever read the um, the Myth Adventures, Robert Aspirin?
3: Yeah, yeah, I read those. Yeah, yeah.
1: There was, there was. He did one like a few years ago. Like he came back out of hiding and did one. Mm. Oh, those are those are quite good with the with the dragon. I remember right?
3: reading the first few of them, and then they, they just kind of got, got old after a while because mm-hmm. it was an anthology series, you know. And after a while, the uh, if I'm thinking of the right one, it, it was an anthology, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, there was, a, there, all was all a there was a demon. There was a guy named. He was a, one character was a demon, and he was a like an apprentice wizard, and, oh, and he had this dragon. Yeah.
3: That I don't remember.
1: Yeah, the, the guy who, Robert Asprin was the guy who wrote them, and he wrote two series of books, I think about it. Thieves world, right? Uh, spring. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, they had this sort of under underpinning in there. Yeah. American guy. Hmm. Uh, myth, oh, Fool's Company. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't read many of the Fool's Company, but I've read the myth adventures. It was a quite, a, And they were all myth, you know, myth, ink, link, and myth, ink, inaction, hitter myth. <laughs> yeah. It was one, oh, he's just done a Misfortunes. Was, oh, he did a bunch of them here. Mischief. A bunch of 2008 that he did. That I have not read Hmm Yeah I thought he went away for Oh yeah So he came back Myth quoted was one in 2012 And then 2016 was myth fits Hmm I don't know if I've read that one Yeah my son Caught me into those Because he's Read all of them What sci-fi sci- sci- Have you read Jaime
0: Ever
2: Recently Can't think of anything <laughs> I've read recently Yeah, yeah. I think, well, back, I don't know. I don't use, like, Goodreads or anything, so I don't, I don't have a good list after I've, I've Oh, did read. I
1: tell you I applied for the, the developer kit and got accepted? Yeah, I did, right? You did? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah,
3: because we listen to you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and now I'm just listening to you. <laughs> yeah. Tim, I think you
2: absolutely should turn that into a conference talk. What's that? The Using the developer transition kit. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. I mean, it gets a little bit more value out of the 500 bucks.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have seven days to decide whether I want to continue with the application, right? Like, I'm, sur- I'm surprised that, like, again, that people I know who are legit, like James Thompson, for instance, hasn't got one. Manton Reese, I was talking to him earlier today, he hasn't got one. No. Like, when they're, they're like legit Mac developers and they're not getting them. It doesn't make sense. It must be like a, a lottery or something, right? i think uh, maybe i mean it depends
2: on how many people are signing up for the kits and you know, if they're yeah. doing any sort of you know combing through for that sort of you know activity as an example um
1: but do you think it's like these like like i've been pretty pretty lucky i got the watch, developer watch i got the developer apple tv right i just wonder if there's like because so far <laughs> somebody's i telling me already that every canadian they've talked to has gotten approved <laughs> So maybe it's a, maybe it's a quota thing. Like they're only sending so many to the states and so many to. UK and whatever, but it doesn't make sense.
2: Yeah, I'm not. Re- I'm not really sure. Maybe it is. You know, in batches of this batch. You know, th- this is the the rubric that they're using. But then, you know, if if somebody like a James Thompson didn't submit immediately, you know, maybe sat and thought about it for a while. Like, mm-hmm. Oh well, you're in the second batch. And well, sucks to be you because there's a whole bunch of other people who right. uh, maybe met whatever the rubric was. Right? Like, it's definitely the sort of thing we don't want to sit and think about it if you're going to do it at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like think you're you're only at an advantage to be in that list. Because I don't know that they're—I uh, don't know that they just say, "Well, first 500 people," and I don't think they're necessarily going to, you know, collect everybody, wait a little bit, see if any mm-hmm. stragglers go in, and then decide. I think it's probably on some rolling basis that they're doing it. Alrighty, All right. Until
0: next time. All right. Until next time. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. bye. You later. Hey guys. Bye.